0: hello people of the way we're going to continue our study through the book of ephesians and we're in ephesians chapter 5 and for the next several weeks in chapter 5 and chapter 6 we're going to look at aspects and elements and uh, dynamics of a family uh, wife and husband and children but there's something that we have to understand and have as this base plate to understand who we are in christ If we turn really quick to the book of Romans chapter 7, before we look at Ephesians. In Romans chapter 7, there's something that we need, all of us, all of us. We need to bind this to our hearts. And it is this, in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You see, it's very important from time to time. You'll hear us mention the better husband, the better marriage, because it is indeed true for the believer. Remember, the bridegroom is coming. He is returning and he's returning soon. And so we look at this in Romans 7 in continuation when we have this understanding of, you know, who we are in Christ uh uh, uh uh the bride awaiting the bridegroom now very forward looking because the marriage hasn't happened the marriage is a future event and i speak very spiritually the marriage supper of the lamb and so we see here in romans chapter 7 verse 5 in continuation when we have this understanding of the better marriage unto the better husband now remember in christ there's no male female slave free jew gentile remember that's in christ and so we see this in verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, notice that's past tense, past tense. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. All of these, verse 5, past tense. Now we see present tense and we also see the the hope In regard to the future tense, and that's you and me walking with Christ. Spiritually, in verse 6, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were. You see, the old nature, the old man, the old woman, that is the old nature. Having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. You see, it's very important to understand that you know there's the law, and if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. Remember our study through Galatians? If you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through Galatians. You'll you'll understand this uh uh, uh, uh this the, the, the law which is still holy, but at the same time that it points to Jesus Christ. And once we're in Christ, that's where the safety is found. And yes, it is safe. But at the same time, we have to remember very, very important aspects to our position in Christ. And I say position in Christ, but it sounds like I don't like the official nature of that, you know, because I mean, it is an official nature, but I, I just don't because it's like, you know, you tell you tell a wife who's you know, deeply in love with their husband and a husband who's deeply in love with his wife. And you tell the wife, okay, your position unto your husband. It sounds too official because they're like best of friends. And that's, I I don't like saying that in regards to our position in Christ because it sounds too official. But it's so powerful when we understand this and on this side of eternity and then understand it for the life to come, okay? Okay. We're going to look at certain dynamics and aspects and elements and exhortations and warnings unto wife, unto husband, unto children, family dynamics in the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6. But we have to have this understanding of the better husband, the better marriage. Now, also before we turn to uh, e- Ephesians, I want to do a little quiz. We're going to have a little quiz in Turn with me really quick to Hebrews 13. And in Hebrews 13, <clears throat> verse 17, the Word of God says this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Whoa! <laughs> Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Now, this is a very, very incredibly beautiful verse. It speaks of the relationship between pastor and a, 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 a flock. Flock unto pastor, pastor unto flock. And the Bible, the truth of God's holy word, says obey those who rule over you and be submissive, which is to submit yourself, is to choose to be submissive unto the pastor. Now, This is a very, very beautiful verse. Very, very important verse. Very, very true. But it is also very, very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Now, here's my quiz. Say you and me were the best of friends like two peas in a pod and we're looking for a church. We go into one church. We sit down the, You know, they introduce the pastor. Pastor comes out and she's female. And she introduces herself as Pastor Jennifer. Now, verse 17, here in Hebrews 13, verse 17, which says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Now, a biblical truth, yes. But are we to submit ourselves to Pastor Jennifer? The answer is no. Why? Because what the Bible says is that pastors must be male. Pastors and elders must be male. I don't care what, you know, I know we live in crazy times and people say, oh, that's so old fashioned. That's so old fashioned. Look, the early church did it. And they always reference Catholicism. They always reference, you know, these uh, uh, female saints in, in Catholicism. Let me tell you something. Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. Catholicism is not. I know they say it. I know they say, oh, yeah, they're Christians and we're Christians and we're Christians. No, Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. You will never find in the Bible to pray to Mary and, you know, uh, 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 pray for dead relatives in purgatory so that Mary can go to purgatory, rescue them, and bring them to Jesus Christ. You will never find that in the Bible. But yet it's taught. You see, and so we have this understanding, you know, I don't, I, 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 it whatever the world has to say about women can be pastors and women can be elders that's nice that's the world but what does the bible say so pastor jennifer comes out introduces herself says whatever she has to say at the pulpit now you and me we're looking for a church where are we going to call our church home we look at each other are, does is verse 17 a biblical truth very very important for saints to apply in their lives you and me to apply in our lives but in the case of pastor Jennifer does it apply do we apply this verse in that situation the answer is no so we jump ship we go to another church male pastor and we're like whoo finally we got a male pastor And then he reveals that he was born female. Oh my goodness. Does verse 17 come into play? Verse 17, a biblical truth. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. The answer is no. Remember, the formula must be right. And then all of a sudden we jump ship. We go into another church. We walk in. We sit down at the pews. The pastor comes out, starts teaching. He opens his, you know, uh, a study Bible that is very well received. And he also says the same teaching that a lot of people say with the same study Bible that you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Now, does verse 17 come into play? We got a male pastor. Does verse 17 come into play? Are we to obey him and be submissive to him? No. The answer is no. You see? The formula is right. with He's male. So the formula is right. But the doctrine is wrong. So the formula is wrong. You see? So we jump ship again. You see? So we go into another church. And it's the money preacher. Oh, God wants us to be healthy and wealthy and this and that. 500 people in the church and 500 people are speaking in tongues. Two month old baby saying goo goo gaga and everybody saying, look, the baby's speaking in tongues. Does verse 17 come into play? Are we to obey the pastor who and who, who rules or leads over us? And are we to be submissive, which is to submit ourselves? Are we to apply verse 17 in that fellowship? The answer is no, because the formula is not right. It does not align with what the Bible teaches. You see? Now, Tongues is one of many gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only. People say, oh yeah, tongues is a sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, one of many signs. Remember the gifting of the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift is not tongues. The greatest gift is love. And in a fellowship, Paul says, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand more. But when you see the uh, the gift of tongues employed in a church, Paul says, you know, two, at most three, and there must be an interpreter. So in total, at most four. So, you know, two or three to speak in tongues, and there must be an interpreter. You see? And so outside of that, Paul says, don't speak in tongues. Because people are going to walk in and they're going to think it's straight up crazy town. Everybody's speaking, you know, in a foreign language. They're going to see like, well, wow, everybody's crazy. So biblically speaking, in a church setting, maximum four people. Maximum four. You see? That's what the Bible says. And so you walk into a fellowship, 500 people, and 500 people are speaking in tongues. Are we to submit to such a pastor who allows this thing in the fellowship Are we to, verse 17, does that apply to us? I mean, it does apply to us, but does it it apply to us in that setting? The answer is no, because the formula must be right. We got a male pastor. There's a male pastor at the pulpit. There's a male pastor, but are we to submit ourselves to him? The answer is no. We go to another church. It's the money preacher. No, don't submit to such a person. You see, so we go to another fellowship, male pastor, everything, you know, our little spiritual checklist, you know, because we're Bereans, we study the scripture. And so keep in mind, you know, it's beautiful to study the scriptures to, to show ourselves approved and to be Bereans. But don't forget that Jesus Christ tells the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have it. You think there is eternal life. So wait a second. What does that mean? Does the Bible have eternal life? Yes, absolutely. So then why does Jesus Christ say to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think there is eternal life? Why does he say that when there is eternal life found in the truth of Holy Scripture? Why? What's the disconnect? The difference is the person. Who is willing to yield to the Word of God. And remember, the Word became flesh. Who is willing to yield to Jesus Christ? For some, eternal life is found in Scriptures. For others, eternal life, you won't find it. But it's the same book. It's the same book. You cannot read the Bible as literature. You cannot. You must not. You and me together, we have to yield to the word of God. Otherwise, why call Jesus Christ Lord? Because he's not Lord. If, if, if a person is not willing to submit himself or herself to the word of God, why call Jesus Lord? You can call him Jesus, you can call him the Lord, or you can call him Jesus, you can call him the Christ, but you cannot call him Lord. Because there's no yielding to him. When a soul yields to Jesus Christ, he is Lord. You see? So, searching the scriptures, being a Berean, it's beautiful. But don't be a Pharisee thinking you're a Berean. You see, it's very important to make this distinction as the Bible reveals. Who is the one that yields to the word of God in accordance to the spirit of the Lord? You see, the formula must be right. And there are mul- multiple aspects of the formula. It's not just like, you know, a little sprinkle of this and a sprinkle of that. No, it's like sprinkle here, sprinkle there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it all compiles. The whole entire formula must be right. And that's very, very difficult to find in the last days. Arguably, next to impossible. Next to impossible. Very, very difficult to find the right formula in the last days. Because remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. And when you read the prophecies of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, remember there are seven churches, red letters in, in, in Hebrews 2 and 3. There are seven churches. And for all the churches except for two, Jesus Christ says, you better repent. You know, this, I like this, I like this, I love, but this I have against you and you need to repent or else I'm going to remove your lampstand or I'll take your name out of the book of life. Whoa. You mean names can go in the book of life and come out of the book of life? Absolutely. What does that mean for once saved, always saved? It's unbiblical. Once saved, always saved is unbiblical. Whoa, whoa, you're going too far there. You're going too far. What do you mean? I've been taught my whole life that once saved, always saved is a biblical truth. Well, let's look what the Bible has to say in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, we see this in verse 13. But the one in, in verse 11, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And in verse 13, we see this. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, you see. They become believers. They receive the word with joy. They hear the word, they receive the word, and they have joy. And they believe for a while, but it's revealed in verse 13, in the middle, that they have no root. You see? No root. No depth of what is being taught. Shallow. And so they believe for a while. Oh, but they're believers. Once saved, always saved. They're believers, but not once saved, always saved. Because it is revealed at the end of verse 13, and in time of temptation, fall away. This is one of the signs of the last days, the great falling away, a defection away from truth. It will come to pass. It must come to pass, the falling away, but not so with the remnant. You see, refined in the last days. And when you read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, you see all these churches repent, 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 except for two, Philadelphia and Smyrna. You see, Philadelphia and Smyrna. No repentance. Why? The formula is right in those, those fellowships. Beautiful pastors, beautiful flock, beautiful pastors. In those fellowships. But notice. It's the minority. See. Two out of seven. See. Two out of seven. The minority. That reveals to us. That the majority. Is entering crazy town. Remember the last days church. There's four categories. Of the last days church. It is false. It is apostate. It is entering apostasy. Or it is true. Those are the four categories of the last day's church. Where do you go to church? Is the formula right? So continuing in the, in the little quiz that we have, continuing in the quiz, in, we look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey those who rule over you. This is regarding uh, the, the pastor-flock relationship. So you and me, were kind of like hard-pressed and we're getting like, oh Lord, you know, what do we do? We go to another church. Pastor comes out, male, okay, that's a little sprinkle here that appears to be right. All of a sudden he starts teaching replacement theology. God is done with Israel and he's now on the church and God is all done with Israel and, you know, the promises that we read in the Old Testament, that's for the church. Nope. Formula is not right. What do we do? We jump ship. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Absolutely true. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. But in that setting, in these fellowships that you and I remember, we're two peas in the pod, the best of friends. We're two peas in the pod, best of friends. Biblical truth. But is this biblical truth applicable, applicable to you and me in that setting? In these settings that I have described, the answer is no. We go to another fellowship. The pastor wants to go grave soaking. Grave soaking is something that is growing in popularity. Emanates out of Redding, California. It's to go lay in graves of, the, uh, of dead Christians. And the Holy Spirit will come out of those dead Christians and soak into a person. Abomination. That's an abomination. Necromancy, an abomination before the Lord. And yet, people do it. At the advice of pastors, at the encouraging, at the counsel of pastors, youth leaders taking, oh, we're going to have youth group today. Okay, come on, kids, let's go lay on graves. You won't find the Holy Spirit among the dead. You'll find another spirit, but not the holy. So does verse 17, obey those who rule over you or lead over you and be submissive? Does that apply to you and me in that setting? The answer is no. But it's in the Bible. Look, it's true. Yes, it's true. But don't forget, it is also written. You and me, we're hard-pressed. What, what do we do? What do we do? We go into another fellowship. Not a lot of people. We think it's an empty building. There's like, you know, two cars in the parking lot. Three cars in the parking lot. We walk in. Pastor comes out. He's male. You know, sprinkled. Little, everything's fine. Little Our little checklist because we're Bereans, remember. And we yield to the Word of God. And he teaches, he opens the Bible and he teaches. This male teaches. Every jot, every tittle, going through the word systematically, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And we read these things like, whoa, that is harsh. Whoa, that is harsh. I can't believe this guy said that. Whoa, my goodness. That's like a knife in my heart, but do I have problems with the pastor? Look, he's just, he's just reading what the Bible says. No, our problem is with God. The guy up there, he's just teaching. Our problem is with God. Oh, my goodness. And then the pastor says, hey, you need to repent. You need to repent. And we look up at him. We see a little glimmer in his eye. We see the tear coming down his cheek. And he's saying, you guys need to repent, repent. And we're like a knife in our hearts. Oh, my goodness. And yet we know, we see the Word of God. He's going like every little ladder, every jot, every tittle, every sentence, every every verse, everything. And he's just reading. It's like, ouch, oh my goodness. And so we heed his cry to repent. And something beautiful happens. Peace. Peace in our heart. You see, a restoration of joy in our heart. Is it the pastor? Absolutely not. The pastor's just a vet. I mean, if, if, if we were stranded in a desert and we're dying of thirst, and all of a sudden somebody gives us a glass of water and we drink the water, who are we going to thank? Are we going to have an empty glass and thank the glass? Thank the cup? No. The glass is just the vessel, but when the formula is right, male pastor—it's not just male pastor. Remember, coverings in the Bible are always male, always male. Even Esther had a male covering in Mordecai. You see, they must be male. It's not like oh you know look you're 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 uh misogynist you know misogynistic you're like you know uh uh you don't like women you're anti-women and all these things the rise of feminism in the church no it's nothing like that that's carnal that's carnal that's the way of man that's the way of the world we're talking about a very holy formula the pastor is male because the covering under the con- uh, uh, unto the congregation the covering must be right And it's not an unholy covering. It's a holy covering. And so, you know, you see the the, the, what's underneath that covering is the Word of God. The Word of God. You say, okay, where there's this guy. He's a male covering. Yeah, but he also wants us to go grave soaking. He also wants us to go lay in the graves. Which means that, yes, he is a covering, but his covering is found wanting. It is not right. There's no safety in that. You want to have a covering where the guy says, let's go lay on graves for the Holy Spirit to... You, you won't find the Holy Spirit among the dead. You will not find the Holy Spirit among the dead. So what spirit? What spirit are, is, are those people soaking in? You see? Remember, Jesus Christ, when the disciples asked him, what are the signs of your, are your coming and the signs of the end? He says, many Christ's. Many Christs. How will we know? In a multitude of Christs, how will we know who is the right one? The Bible reveals to us, His word is above His name. We'll know by the word of God. And when the formula is right, Everything, sprinkle here, sprinkle there, sprinkle there, male covering as pastor, sound doctrine, all these things. In that covering, there is peace, the fullness of joy. There is, there's also conviction because remember, we're, we're, we, you and me, two peas in a pod. We go into this fellowship, not a lot of people, not a lot of people, which is a good sign for the last days. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, something supernatural happens. There's healing. There's restoration. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, we start to get more knowledge of the Word of God, which is a gift of the Spirit. And you see the Spirit of God moving. Now, let's look at verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you or lead over you and be submissive. It's to you and me to choose to submit to this pastor. He says, for they watch out for your souls. This translate says they stay awake. They're sleepless for your souls. They're sleepless. They, these are people. These are men who stay awake and do not sleep. Why? So they can watch movies. They can watch TV. So they can go to, you know, Denny's late at night and get, you know, Grand Slam breakfast. No, they do it. You and me, two peas in a pod. They do it. This pastor, he does it for my soul and your soul. Whoa. As those who must give account. This pastor knows that he's going to give an account before the Lord. And that's what Brother James says, let not many be teachers. Because the, the judgment is more strict with pastors and teachers and elders too, overseers. And then it is written here, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would, not, that would be unprofitable for you. So you and me, two peas in a pod. We've tried 20 churches. Verse 17 is always true. Always, always true. And you and me, we desire to apply verse 17 in our lives. We desire to apply and employ verse 17 in our lives. But is it safe? In church number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. The answer is no. Why? Because the formula isn't right. With you and me, we're Bereans. We love, we're yielding to the word. We yield to the spirit and the formula is right. But now we look at the overseers. Is the formula right? Oh, but we got a male pastor and look, he, he teaches the Bible. And so, okay, the formula is right. But oh, look, he's on his fifth marriage. Are his other four wives dead? No, they're still alive. Irreconcilable differences. Boom. Formula's not right. And this guy's going to teach about marriage. You see? No, it doesn't work that way. The formula must be right. Male covering. So 19 churches, 19 churches, verse 17 is very, very, very dangerous and should not be done. Verse 17 should not be applied in the majority of churches. Now, since that's the case, verse 17 should not be applied to the majority of saints, the majority of Christians. You see? Hardcore truths. It's one of the signs of the last days. But yet Jesus Christ says, if the blind follow the blind, then both will fall into a ditch. I have something to say to you, my beautiful friend. If you're in a church where the formula isn't right. Now, if the, if the formula is not right with you, that's another thing. Repent. But if with you, the formula is right, you yield to the word of God, you yield to His his spirit. You reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead, and you lay aside those things which so easily ensnare you. And you move on to perfection. You know, we move on to perfection, but, you know, there's, you know, there's like, you know, we we trip up sometimes. It's not to make excuse for sin and say, okay, let's take advantage of grace. Don't do that. You're never going to be sinless, but we can sin less and less and less and less and less. When you're done sinning, when you're you're no longer sinning, you're going to be dead. Dead. But yet we move on to perfection. And if the formula is not right with you, that's one thing. Get that formula right. You see? Which is to repent. Be right with the Lord. Now, once you're right with the Lord, and you might already be right with the Lord... Now you have to look at the covering above you. And I'm speaking about pastor. You know, ultimately above is Jesus Christ. But where you see it off kilter, the pastor is crazy. The church is crazy. It's one of the signs of the last days. There's no more safety in that. There might have been safety in it 50 years ago, 20 years ago. There might have been safety in it five years ago. But it's going to get worse and worse in the last days. And remember, judgment comes first. In the church. That's prophetic. God's judgment. Before it comes to the world, it comes first to the church. Knowing that, the majority of churches are not safe. And if the majority of churches aren't safe, then the majority of Christians are in harm's way. You see? knowing that judgment comes first to the house of God. So what do we do? What do we do? Number one, our hearts need to be right before the Lord. Number two, find a pastor. Find a pastor where the covering is safe. And if you, you're going to be hard pressed to find that. If you cannot find that, find yourself a teacher who will teach you. I'm of the firm belief that home fellowship is the last day's model. You know, judgment coming to the church, well, homes are safe. And we're going to look at prophecies, not today, but, you know, Lord willing, soon. Prophecies about last day's models in preparation for the last days. Because we're at the very cusp of the 70th week of Daniel starting. We must understand these things. So you and me, two peas in the pod, best of friends. And we finally, finally found where the formula is right in a church. We finally found it. Praise be to the Lord. We rejoice. We have this covering which is beautiful. And now verse 17. Now we can finally, finally apply verse 17 to our lives. We can obey those who rule over us and be submissive to them. You see? And then we start to get curious. How come this guy never asked for money? We we went to all these other churches, the offering plate goes around. Sometimes it goes around three times in one church church service, three times. But this guy, man, there's no offering plate. We have to like bug him. How, How do we tithe? How do we make our offerings to the Lord? And he says, listen, before you do that, Obedience is better than the fat of rams. Before you make tithes and offerings to the Lord. He says to uh, surrender our bodies a living sacrifice. Give our bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice of ourselves unto the Lord. He says do that first. And then he encourages us and tells us, listen, you need to be a cheerful giver. Don't give until it's a cheerful thing in your heart. What? We've never heard this before. And then we study the Bible. We look at what Paul writes. He says, I don't want your money. Then we start to understand oh, we get where this guy is coming from. You see? And the whole time we're learning, learning, learning the spirit, the gifting of the spirit, the knowledge, which is a gift of the spirit. All of a sudden we're growing, we're maturing in Christ. And then something happens in our hearts, you and me, something happens in our hearts. We just, Pastor, can I talk to you? Sure. Sure pastor i think i think the lord wants wants me to help you in ministry now you start to see the next generation of church leadership elders pastors you see you see how beautiful it's this is this is the biblical model these are the blueprints found in the word of god read the book of acts and when you have this understanding of the book of Acts, I mean, we have our studies through the book of Acts. Listen to them, read them, follow along in your Bible. Have your Bible open. Just so you know, we, we study out of the New King James Version. I'm, a, I'm not a fan of Alexandrian texts and everything after the Alexandrian texts. And so, uh, you know, what we do is we study from uh, 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 pre-Alexandrian and we're not entirely like King James only because we look at the uh, 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 the, the Hebrew, the uh, 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 the Greek, Aramaic. Remember Septuagint math in our study in numbers, but everything post Alexandrian, not a fan of. I want to be as close as possible to the original manuscripts. It's very important to understand these things because we're a last days generation. Very, very, quite possibly the very beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. Soon, very soon. Incredibly soon. And the church is asleep. But don't forget that even that is prophetic. The church will be asleep. And the church is asleep. But there's something different with the remnant. When the formula is right, verse 17 here in Hebrews 13, beautiful, safe, holy you see pastor's not lording over us he's teaching us he's pouring into us everything's beautiful but the formula must be right in those you know 20 churches we've been to 20 churches 19 verse 17 was very very dangerous In 19 churches, the vast majority of churches, verse 17 is very, very dangerous. In 19 churches, do not apply or employ verse 17 in your life. But the formula must be right. And when the formula is right, verse 17, beautiful. When the formula is right, the door can be opened to apply and employ verse 17. Beautiful. Now that we have this understanding, let's look at certain family dynamics. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 in continuation of our study. In continuation of our study, verse 22, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, my beautiful sisters in Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, Very, very powerful. Very beautiful. Absolutely a biblical truth. But very, very dangerous when the formula isn't right. Wives submit to your own husbands. Have you ever, one of my biggest pet peeves is seeing churches where women, young, old women are like slave class. I hate it. I hate it. I always want to talk to those pastors. A little closed door meeting. Who's the pastor here? Who's the pastor in this fellowship? Oh, it's that guy over there. Come here, pastor. Let me talk to you. Let's go behind closed doors. Who in the world do you think you are, pastor? Look at the, look at all the women here. Even the little girls, the old ladies. You treat them like slave class. Well, the Bible says they need to be submissive to men. No, it doesn't. It does not. Well, the Old Testament says, listen, in Christ, there's no male, female. There is equality in Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't say women submit to men. The Bible says wives submit to your own husbands. Pastor, where do you get off teaching? Who called you to teach? The Lord or your belly? You see, wives submit to your own husbands. Paul had to, Paul, remember Paul wrote uh, 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 about uh, Phoebe to the Roman saints. He said, hey, whatever Phoebe needs, she's with me. Whatever Phoebe needs, she calls the shots. She calls the shots. She's not, you know, a feminist coming to town. She's a servant of the Lord. She's with me. Whatever she needs, you help her. Whatever she tells you to do, you do it. That's the biblical model. In Christ, there's no male, female. There is equality. But within that equality, there's a hierarchy. Submission for wives, submission unto husbands. And for husbands, submission unto Christ. And there is, yes, submission unto pastors. But the formula must be right. If a pastor is going to lord over you, the formula is wrong. Biblical pastors lord over no one. You see? Because the soul needs to choose. The soul cannot be compelled the soul must choose for himself or herself. The person must choose to submit to the Word of God. And in submission to the Word of God, you know, remember, you and me, two peas in a pod. 19 churches is dangerous to uh, to to uh, apply and employ Hebrews 13, verse 17, submission unto pastors. Very dangerous, except for one, it is safe. And he's not lording over us, you know, okay, therefore, you got to do this now. Therefore, you have to clean the toilets. Therefore, you have to, look, we're going to get a new church building. Therefore, you have to do all these things. And, you know, you have to tithe a hundred bucks a piece, a hundred bucks a week, a thousand bucks a week. We're not going to allow you in this fellowship unless you tithe and you do your offerings unto the Lord. We're going to pass out the offering plate. We're gonna, you can't be a member of this church. No, that would be the wrong formula. You see, the Bible doesn't say women submit to men. There, you, you see aspects of that in the Old Testament. But that's the law. That's the law. Don't forget. Listen to our study through Galatians, 1 Galatians and the rest of it. All of it. You'll understand what the law is, which is still holy, but it's the lesser glory. The greater glory is in Jesus Christ. Remember, the law was created with loopholes. To make way for the better covenant. Listen to our study of Galatians. You'll understand. And then while you're at it, do Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You'll understand the law. The beauty of the law. But it's still the lesser glory. You see the slave class in churches. And it kills me. It pains me. I don't like it. I want to have a closed door meeting with those so-called pastors. When you see the slave class among women. And then I also want to talk to husbands. When you see a slave class among wives. Husbands, men, my beautiful brothers in Christ. We're going to get to you soon. Not yet. But we'll get to you soon. It's very important for all of us. We're in the same boat. Myself included. We're all in the same boat. The formula must be right in our conduct as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. Always looking forward to the better marriage unto the better husband. Remember, in Christ there's no slave, free, rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile that's in Christ. Where it is only safe. So we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now this is submit hupataso, which is to choose to submit. But let me ask you a question. Did Hannah submit to her husband? Did Abigail submit to her husband? Did Zipporah submit to her husband? In some things, yes. But not in all. Not in all. Turn with me really quick to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And in Exodus chapter 4, we see this. In verse 24, notice Moses is with his family. Moses is with his family and Moses is being obedient. I'm doing my air quotes. Moses is being obedient in my air quotes. He's being obedient to the Lord because the Lord called him, hey, go back to Egypt. And Moses, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. But now we look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Whoa. God wanted to kill Moses. What? What? You might say, "I've never heard that before." God wanted to kill Moses. If you've never heard that before, you need a new pastor because he hasn't taught you. Oh, but I got Pastor Jennifer. You need a new pastor. The formula must be right. The Lord wanted to kill Moses, but He loves Moses. He. We see passages where he speaks. Remember when the Lord uh, 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 chastised Aaron and uh, Mo- Moses' sister, Moses' brother and sister, remember? And the Lord revealed them, look, I, I, the way I speak to Moses, I speak to Moses like we're friends. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. So why is it that God wants to kill him? We're going to see. In verse 24, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Remember, Moses is with his family. Then Zipporah, in verse 25, beautiful, beautiful Zipporah. I cannot wait to meet her. I'm so, I can't wait, I'm, I can't wait to meet her. It's a tough cookie right here. Beautiful, beautiful, godly, righteous Zipporah. I love her. And she says in verse, in verse 25, he says, then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses feet. You see what's happening here? And said, surely you are a husband of blood to me! Exclamation point. Whoa. Translates as surely you are a husband that has, uh, has brought bloodshed to the household. God's judgment came upon this family because of the husband. Moses and the wife intervenes intercessor the wife as intercessor for her husband yes but for her family why is this yes you say well Moses was obedient he was doing what the Lord the Lord, the Lord told him to go to Egypt and now he wants to kill him what's happening here or yeah, the, yeah, w- what's happening Moses is being obedient The giver of the law, which is the Lord, but through Moses. The giver of the law, the Ten Commandments, would have also been the breaker of the law. The formula would have been wrong in Moses. You see, Moses would have been a hypocrite if he continued. And because he was taking that step in hypocrisy, because he was taking that step where the formula wasn't right, the Lord wanted to kill him. What are you talking about? How could he be a breaker of the law? Because there was a law given to Abraham prior to Moses. Law given to Abraham that the males must be circumcised. Now, as New Covenant believers, we know what the circumcision is. Listen to our state through Romans. You'll know more. Moses was A breaker of the law. Very short period of time, but in that short period of time, the Lord wanted to kill him. He sought to kill him because he was breaking the law. Beautiful, beautiful, righteous, gorgeous Zipporah. And I don't say that in a carnal sense. I say that in these attributes as highly, highly desirable. Gorgeous, beautiful, righteous Zipporah. What is her mindset? Not on my watch. Not on my watch. She's on guard. She's on post. She's standing her post. Husband wasn't. I wonder what kind of counsel if Zipporah sought the pastors of today. Hey, pastor, what do I do? I got a little situation, pastor. What do I do? the pastor said well you know the bible does say you know wives submit to your husband so you know your husband wants to do this and okay submit to him and go over here boom dead moses dead moses uncircumcised kids is it biblical counsel zipporah submit to your husband in everything submit to your husband here when he's in disobedience submit to your husband is that biblical counsel Not to say that it isn't. It can be, but the formula must be right. In Zipporah, beautiful formula. In the children, the formula was okay, but they didn't know. Which means that the parental decisions have an impact on them. But for Moses, was the formula right? Not at this point. And if Zipporah sought counsel... Hey, pastor, what do I do? Pastor, what do I do? Oh, Zipporah, submit to your husband. Go with them over there. No no complaint. Be a slave to your husband. Follow your husband over here. Submit to him. Boom. Dead husband. Whoa. Uncircumcised kids. Whoa. You see? And what does Zipporah... she picks up a sharp stone. Beautiful, beautiful Zipporah. <laughs> gorgeous Zipporah. When I say that, sometimes, you know, I, I, I get a, a little hard-pressed in my heart because it's like, you know, I want to speak spiritually, but sometimes it's like the majority are carnal and I can't say these things. I say gorgeous Zipporah, but it's there's no perversion there, no... Remember, in obedience to Christ, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is the mind of a Christian. I say gorgeous Sephora, but it's not like, you know, perversion. That's the world. That's the carnal nature. We are as believers, male and female, to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I'm going to take a little risk. Now that I said that, hopefully you have this understanding. Yes, absolutely. I say, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Zipporah. You need a different set of eyes to see her beauty. Carnal eyes cannot comprehend this kind of beauty. Men. Men, carnal eyes cannot comprehend this kind of beauty because it is righteousness. Zipporah took a sharp stone. Can you imagine Moses leading the way, you know, okay, wife, follow me, you know, walking down. Oh, come on, wife, follow me. Look, you have to submit to me. No disrespect to Moses, you know, and thankfully the Lord used them how he used them, but no disrespect to him. No disrespect to the Lord, you know, his vessel that he chose. But even Moses had his state of infancy, you see? Wife as helper. Wife as intercessor. Lowercase H, helper. Not uppercase H, lowercase H. Sometimes I wonder, husbands are standing before the Lord. And the Lord's saying, you know, what about the helper I gave you? Oh, Lord, you know, surely I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Surely, Lord, all of a sudden, time out, time out. I'm not talking about uppercase H. I'm not talking about my spirit. I'm talking about that lady over there that you treated like dirt. I'm talking about her. You treated her like dirt, you treated her like slave class, you treated her like a concubine, you treated her like a prostitute. And I gave her to you. And what you did to her, you've done to me. Whoa. Husbands, 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 husbands. Oh, I'm the leader of my home. I'm the spiritual leader of my home. Yes. The formula better be right because if it's wrong, stand by. Stand by. The formula must be right. Zipporah, in verse 25, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son. She circumcised her son. You see? And cast it at Moses' feet. She just threw it right at his feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. Exclamation point. Beautiful. I can't wait to meet Zipporah. Moses, too. But more with Zipporah. <laughs> In verse 26. So he let him go. Notice the capitalization here. He let him go. Notice the end of verse 24. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. God wanted to kill Moses. In verse 26, God let him go. You see? That's kind of a big deal. Verse 25 is a pretty big deal. The intercession of his wife. The intercession of Zipporah. Oh, but she's not the spiritual leader. Look, she's supposed to submit to her husband. If she was 100% in submission to her husband, her husband would have been dead. Her son uncircumcised. You see? The formula was wrong in Moses. You see? And now Moses is alive. To continue in this task that the Lord gave him. In verse 26. So he let him go. Then she said. You are a husband of blood. (laughs) I love this girl. You are a husband of blood. Exclamation point. I mean look. She says in verse 25. Surely you are a husband of blood to me. Exclamation point. And if that wasn't enough. She said it again. You are a husband of blood exclamation point. Why? Because I'm tired, Moses. Because I'm tired and I want to go. Because you know, XYZ, one, two, three. No, because of the circumcision. Husband, you're being disobedient to God. You see. Absolutely biblical. Absolutely true that a wife needs to submit to her husband, but, but, the formula must be right. You see, the formula must be right. And Moses, in his state of infancy, I mean, we we've studied Exodus, we've studied Leviticus and Numbers, and we're in Deuteronomy. And you see a boldness of Moses, which is beautiful. But I wonder where he learned it. I wonder where he learned it from. When we see this little, little passage about his beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous wife. And you see her boldness. Don't forget, Zipporah was also a shepherd. I wonder where Moses learned to shepherd. Very interesting. Very interesting. So it is absolutely true. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. It is to my beautiful sisters who are married. And if you're unmarried, understand these things. To my sisters. Men, we're going to get to you. Hold on. But to my beautiful sisters. Yes, Verse twenty-two in Ephesians five: Wives submit to your own husbands, not to men. Like you know, blanket statement. Wives submit to all men. You submit to your own husband. You know, also the pastor too, but not that's in a different sense. I mean, that's like the Hebrews thirteen seventeen sense. But in the same example, like Hebrews thirteen verse seventeen, you and me, two peas in a pod. Remember, 20 churches, 20 churches and 19, 19 churches. It was unsafe. It was unadvisable. It was very, very dangerous for you and me, two peas in a pod, to apply that verse to our lives, to submit to the pastor, to obey the pastor. Why? Because the formula was wrong in those other pastors. And the exact same way. Now we get into Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. A Very, very biblical, very true, very beautiful. But the formula must be right in your husband. You see? He says at the end of verse 22, as to the Lord. Whoa, so I have to submit to my husband as to the Lord? Yes, you do. But the question is this. Does your husband's behavior exemplify that of the Lord? Whoa, that's deep. I know. I'll tell you something that's a huge problem in the church today. A huge, huge problem in the church today. A lot of Men, 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 men have their problems with sex and pornography. They do the strippers, they do the prostitutes, they do the pornography, they do all these things. And so they get these disgusting, sick ideas about what sex looks like. The pleasing of the flesh. And then they say, okay, wife, since I watch this on the computer, since I watch this on the movies, since I, you know, I do the, the little sex apps. I do the sex apps. I do the prostitutes, the strippers, all these things. Therefore, wife, you have to submit to me. You have to submit to me. And you have to do these things, you know, perform sexually. Because you have to please me. You have to submit to me. And what do wives do? They submit to wickedness. Oh, the Bible says I got to submit to my husband. The formula must be right. Don't forget, sexual immorality, biblically speaking, that's grounds for divorce. Husbands, don't forget. That's grounds for divorce. And you have wicked pastors. I'm doing my air quotes when I say pastors. Wicked men who were never called of God. They just want to feel good about themselves. Maybe they want to make money. Maybe they're the hirelings. They're the money preachers. Maybe they're a servant of Satan. Presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness. Husband and wife come in. Hey, pastor, we need we need a uh, counseling. We need marriage counseling. Oh, what's the matter? What's the matter? Well, you know, my husband's addicted to pornography and... Oh, I don't know what to do, and my husband's addicted to pornography. And you have these wicked, wicked men who call themselves pastors. And their counsel, which is growing in popularity, is wives, you have to perform sexually to please your husband in submission to your husband. Wickedness. Wickedness. Let me tell you something, my beautiful sisters in Christ. Let me tell you something. Pleasing your husband, the carnal nature of your husband. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Because Christians, you, me, your husband, your kids, your parents, Christians, a people of the way, we're moving on to perfection. I mean our ultimate goal is paradise but to get to paradise we have to put on new clothes you know and it's not that we put them on the lord puts them on us you and me we put on Christ on this side of eternity we put on Christ and we wear him like a robe but and we our ultimate goal is paradise but entry into paradise is a new garments that He's going to give us. It's called a glorified body. And that's what you and me and all who believe, that's what we're moving forward to. And that, my beautiful sister, is not carnal. Pleasing the carnal nature is very, very dangerous. You see? A lot of pastors, so-called pastors. They don't teach these things because they don't understand these things, nor do they comprehend. You know why? Because in most cases, they're hirelings. In most cases, they're servants of Satan. And in most cases, they themselves are compromised. Wife says, oh, pastor, my husband has a problem with pornography. But the pastor doesn't want to reveal Me too. The pastor doesn't want to say, Oh, husband, you do pornography? Me too. Oh, husband, you do the strippers? Me too. Oh, husband, you do the prostitutes? Oh, me too. Oh, husband, you do the sex apps? Oh, me too. The pastor doesn't want to reveal. They like to have this facade of righteousness. And so, because they don't want to receive judgment themselves, and they know that judgment is coming, they say, oh, let's be gracious. Wife, come on, let's be gracious. Wife, come on, let's be merciful. But to my beautiful sisters in Christ, sexual immorality, biblically, is grounds for divorce. I'm not advocating divorce. The Lord hates divorce. I hate divorce. And I've had these conversations with wives. I can't break the marriage covenant. I can't break the marriage covenant. That's beautiful in the wife. But in those situations, the wife never broke the marriage covenant. The husband did. You see, the husband did. And with sexual immorality, biblically speaking... It opens the door for divorce. It's the choice of the wife. Because the husband broke the covenant. But don't forget, beautiful sister, my beautiful, beautiful sister, the better covenant, the better husband, the better marriage. Now, if that's you, And you are in a state of divorce because of sexual immorality of your husband. Your husband was doing the prostitutes, the strippers, and whatever, the pornography. He's going to stand before the Lord one day. But for you, that doesn't give you, for my beautiful sister, that doesn't give you license to move on to marriage number two, get married a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. And no. You're done. No more marriage. Now, if your first husband dies, now you can get married. You see? Now you can get married because that that there's the official breaking of that through death. Husband's dead. Ex-husband dead. Now you're free to marry, but in Christ. Outside of that, outside of that model, that blueprint, the Bible refers to it as adultery you are an adulteress if you're male you are an adulterer now that's not me okay you're an adulteress you're gonna burn in hell no you need to repent if that's you you need to repent so that you can be right with the lord and it is safe for you under the covering of jesus christ oh my pastor never told me this my pastor never told me get a new pastor you see, get a new pastor. You need to know these things because it's it's between it's a matter of you and the Lord. I was never taught this, I never knew this thing. It's in the Bible. How could you say you never remember Hosea? My people perish for lack of knowledge. It was said of Israel and it can be said of the church even more so in these last days. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit found? The Holy Spirit, the real Holy Spirit is not found in a grave. The Holy Spirit will be found when the formula is right. Everything in accordance to the word of God. And his word is above his name. You see? The formula must be right. Now I speak of the sexual sin. Husbands who say, Okay, wife, I do my sex. I do all these things. And so therefore, you have to do this. You have to perform sexually in order to please my flesh. No. Wives, it's very dangerous to please flesh. It's very dangerous to please flesh. Because remember, paradise is what we're moving forward to. No flesh. I'm not trying to say like never please it because I mean, you know, we're in these earth suits. But husband says, oh, wife, you got to please me like this. You got to do this. You got to perform like this. You got to do this. You're pleasing wickedness. If If you submit to your husband when the formula is not right in him. You're in submission to wickedness. You see? What if Zipporah was in 100% submission to her husband? Husband would have been dead. You see? Husband would have been dead. And it's so powerful. You know, sometimes husbands do. We we look at the... Now, when I say the unnatural use of the human body, well, look at Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged with the natural use for what is against nature. It's the unnatural use of the body. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. You see, the unnatural The unnatural coming into the church. The unnatural use of the body. See? People don't realize that. There are pastors who teach the women, wicked, wicked men, at the pulpit. They think they're workers, but they're workers of Satan. And they speak very sexually at the pulpit about, you know, the unnatural use Women, use your body in an unnatural way to please your husband. And they call it holy, but it is wicked, the unnatural. And they're very descriptive. And a lot of pastors who say men have a problem with pornography because wives have let let themselves go. They blame the wife. Victim mentality. Oh, the husband's the victim. The husband's the victim. Foolish men in the in the pew and in the pulpit, foolish men, little boys they might have the muscles, they might have the hairy chest, they might have the, the dirty boys, but they're little tiny boys without understanding Paul says of those without understanding he calls them idiotes where we get the word idiots in the pew and at the pulpit wives. Your husband has a problem with pornography because you've let yourself go. So you gotta hit the gym. You gotta go to the gym. You gotta wear your makeup. You gotta do yourself up a little bit. You gotta dress nice. You gotta look attractive for your husband. You see. And all they're do- doing, all these pastors, so-called pastors, all they're doing is feeding into what their husbands tell them. So they get home, the couple gets home, and husband says, You see, the pastor says this. You see, the pastor says you got to do this. The pastor says you got to please this. The pastor says you got to do this. Look, then they point to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Look, the Bible says we got to obey the pastor. We got to be submissive to the pastor. So therefore, wife, you see, wickedness enters the camp. The formula must be right. When the formula is wrong, You got to get out because it is not safe. Look at the Old Testament. When the formula is wrong, leave. New Testament, when the formula is wrong, leave. When the formula is wrong, separate. You see? Because God cleans house. Before God cleans house, God still cleans house, but he uses his vessels. And that's called grace and mercy. But when God cleans house, whew, stand by. You see? Men, husbands who say, oh, you know, oh, look, my friend, he, 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 he brought the, the, the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Come on, wife, let's go do this. What are you going to do? Oh, but the Bible says I got to submit to my husband. No, the formula is wrong in such a man. You see? Or husband says, Oh, look, I want to go to a new church. We're going to go to this other church, and you know the, the guy wants to go grave soaking. He wants to go lay in graves. What do you do, wife? The Bible says you should, should you, you need to submit to your husband, as to the Lord. Would the Lord lay in a grave, lay on a grave site to soak in the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. And you, my beautiful sister, you are in 100% submission to Jesus Christ, the better husband unto the better marriage. You see? Husband wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? Can we have pancakes for breakfast? I think I feel like eating pancakes. Can, can, you know, I know you said you were going to make breakfast. Can, can you make it pancakes? Okay. No, no big deal. Yeah. We'll make pancakes. I'll make, I'll make pancakes. No big deal. Submission to the husband. No big deal. Pancakes. Look, you want pancakes? I'll get you pancakes. No big deal. No biggie. Husband says, come on, wife. Let's go grave soaking. We're going to go to this new church and they go grave soaking and we're going to experience something new. We're going to experience something holy. Look, husband, I'll give you your pancakes, but that, not on my watch. That's not happening. You see? Just like Zipporah. Look at Zipporah. Not on my watch. Surely you are a husband of blood to me, exclamation point. She says it again. Make sure the the point hits home. You see, the formula must be right. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husband says, oh, you know what? We're going to go over here to this new fellowship and, you know, take the mark of the beast. We'll still be saved. Once saved, always saved. We're good to go. Not on my watch. We're not good to go. You see, you want your pancakes? Here, I'm making your pancakes. No big deal. I'll submit to you with pancakes. But I'm not going to submit to you with grape soaking. You see? I'll submit to you with pancakes. You want, you want, uh, What? you want, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh tuna fish sandwich. I'll make you a tuna fish sandwich here. Tuna fish sandwich. You want a tuna fish here? I'll submit to you that tuna fish. You want to be a sex head and do that, watch all that nasty, freaky stuff, and do all these things and that? Notice, remember, that's grounds for divorce, biblically speaking. That's grounds for divorce. But a merciful and gracious bride, I'm not going to do that unnatural thing. Why? Because it's 100% submission to the better husband unto the better marriage. Just like the example we gave in Hebrews Hebrews 13 verse 17. About submission to pastors. Do we submit to pastor number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19? The answer is no. Because the formula is wrong. But in one, yes, the answer is yes, because the formula is right. But for wives, my beautiful sisters, it's the exact same thing unto husbands. You see? It's not, you know, you walk into a fellowship and you see the women, male, or the, you see the women, the young and old and, you know, middle-aged and whatever, everything young and old, and you see the women as slave class, the formula is not right. Because they teach that wives, you know, or women submit to men. The Bible says, "What?" Well, no, the Bible doesn't say women submit. Oh, but the Old Testament, that's, that's old. That's the old covenant. You see, which is holy, but there's greater glory, which is Jesus Christ. And in him, no male, female, but there's still hierarchy, you know? There's still hierarchy. The church is in trouble in these last days because the saints do not understand these deep spiritual things, these deep spiritual matters. Why? Where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? The majority, they're compromised themselves. False doctrine or sexual sin or the drugs or or the alcohol, or a mixture of all. They might have the title of pastor, but biblically, does it apply to them? They have it on their name tag, you know, pastor whatever. Pastor this, pastor that. But you read the Bible, does that person meet the biblical qualifications? In the majority, no. No see the formula must be right And so we see this in verse 23 in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 for the husband is the head of the wife absolutely true biblical truth the husband is the head of the wife but you know depending on the maturity level of the husband sometimes I might mean, picture like an adult body an adult body everything you know average size, an adult body, but instead of a normal sized human head, put a ping pong ball there. Put like, you know, take a sharpie and put, you know, eye, a dot for an eye, a dot for an eye, and then a smiley face. That's, that's what most Christian families look like. Because husband needs to mature. But husband can't mature for several reasons. Because of... Like we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Husbands can't mature because they're not carrying their cross. They haven't reckoned the old man dead. They're still playing around with their sin, the old nature. They say they're crucified with Christ, but they're not really crucified with Christ. That's on the husband. Now, you take the word of God. Where do you see a husband yielding to the Word of God? Husband says, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. Okay. Husband needs a pastor. Is the pastor teaching the Word of God? And if the answer is yes, okay. Now let's look at the doctrine. See, oh, it's uh, the pastor's teaching. The doctrine is on point. Okay, now let's look at the pastor. The formula is—is is he qualified? Oh, it's Pastor Jennifer. Not the formula. That's an unsafe covering. Everything—it's the ingredients. I mean, when you bake a cake, it's not just like you know you—it's not just like. One thing and one ingredient. There's multiple ingredients that come together to make a beautiful cake. Most everything we consume has ingredients: a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a lot of bit of this, a lot of bit of that, a little bit of this, little pinch of this, a little dash of this, a little dash of that. You know, let it rise, and add a little pinch here. Throw it in the oven, take it out, add this, put it back in the oven, let it chill, you know? There's instructions, there's ingredients, there's... And if you want that, whatever you're making, if you want it to taste splendid and beautiful and be joyous to to eat, those ingredients, that formula must be right. You see, it might look like sugar, But if it's salt, and I've done that, you know, I've had a a piece of pie before, which it looked good. Everything looked like, ooh, this looks so delicious. But it was made on accident with, with salt instead of sugar. I put it in my mouth. Ooh, gross, 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 gross. It looked like, it looked like the real deal. It had the sprinkles, you know, and the sugary parts were nice and shiny. And, you know, everything looked, it was like warm and it looked awesome. Take my fork, put it in my mouth. As Soon as it hits my tongue, gross. Why? Because the salt and sugar were confused. We're, it was supposed to be sugar, but it was salt. And it didn't taste good. The formula was wrong. And the taste was bad. You know what I did? I spit it out of my mouth. But that's what happens to the lukewarm with Jesus Christ. I wish you were hot or cold, he says, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out in the body, but now expelled out of the body. A short-term believer. Oh, but one saved, always saved. Get a new pastor. The formula must be right. You see? It is a biblical truth in verse 23 that the husband is the head of the wife. But we got to look at the head now. Is it a human head? Or is it a little ping pong ball? And I say this from experience. I used to be a ping pong ball. You see? The husband is the head of the wife. And in the course of time, the ping pong ball can grow up. The ping pong ball can mature to the full stature, the fullness of Christ as we study in the book of Ephesians. Being built, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. You see? But the formula must be right. Oh, husband doesn't know. Husband's just a boy. He doesn't know. Well, he needs a pastor. I've tried. I looked over here. I looked over here. Keep looking. And when you're hard-pressed and you can't find it, find a teacher. You see? Now, these things, me personally, you've heard me say in our Corinthian studies, I don't like teaching about marriage. It's not because marriage is a bad thing. Marriage is beautiful. Remember, there's the better husband, the better marriage. We are the bride of Christ, which is very forward-looking. But I don't like teaching about marriage because most of the times I, I, I speak to carnality in the fellowships, carnality in the church. And, you know, it's like these, even the disciples, when they were speaking to Jesus and hearing what he said, you know, they, they, they told him, they said, well, wait a second. It, it seems like it's better not to marry. It seems like it's better to stay single. They told him. It seems like it's better not even to be married but you know what jesus christ says he says not everybody can accept this not everybody can accept this except to those it has been given to you see it's not like you know when we're in paradise in our glorified bodies you're not for men, you're not going to have a, you know, a, a glorified wife and little glorified kids and then your kids are going to grow up and go to glorified college and your kids are going to, you know, get their glorified jobs and, you know, those kids are going to grow up and have their babies, glorified babies. It's it's a completely different ball game. We move on to perfection, and the Bible explains it's there there's no like, you know, giving in marriage like there is here on this earth. There is marriage unto the Lamb. But that's the only one. You see? It's very important for us to understand these deep spiritual biblical truths. Because this is our destination in paradise. The immoral must put on immortality. You see? The carnal must put on the spiritual we do it now with the help of the Holy Spirit choosing righteousness over wickedness, choosing light over dark, reckoning the old man dead, reckoning the old woman dead putting on Jesus Christ but Jesus Christ himself will clothe us will, will, will clothe us in our glorified bodies. Oh death, where is your sting? you see? The husband is the head of the wife. It is written. Sometimes wives, it's like, okay, my wife is my head, so I'm going to submit to 100%. You have to make a measurement. You have to make a determination. You have to make the distinction. If husband is a, you know, little ping pong head as I was, maybe 5% submission. Sure, you want want pancakes? No big deal. Tuna fish sandwich here? No big deal. I'll submit to you, husband. Look. Here you go. But you want to go grave soaking? Not on my watch. You want to watch these dirty movies? Not on my watch. You want to take the mark of the beast and think you're safe? Not on my watch. You see? A lot of husbands don't like that. Men, we're going to get to you. Paul says, remember he makes his recommendation? I His recommendation, he says, I recommend you stay single. Not because he hates marriage, but those, so that saints can please the better husband. You see? And a wife with a ping pong, ping pong head husband, as I once was, submit to him in 5%. And in the course of time, you pray for your husband, you fast for your husband. And in the course of time, that 5% can turn into 10%. can turn into 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Why? Because he's no longer ping pong head. Now his head is growing. He's maturing in Christ. He has this understanding of the word. You see? And I would say it caps off at about 80%. Not 100%. Why? Because with maturity of both husband and wife comes another truth. That those married to live as unmarried. Whoa. The married live as unmarried. Biblically speaking, it's not to, you know, go to the bars, go to the clubs and pretend you're single again. It's to please the better husband of the better marriage. You see? That's why Paul says it's better not to marry. The disciples even It seems like it's better not to marry. Jesus says no. It's not. Not everybody can accept that. Paul says it's better not to marry. I wish you would remain as I am, which is single, so that you can please. Not so you can be single and go to the bars, go to the clubs, so that you can remain single, awaiting. The bridegroom and pleasing the better husband unto the better marriage. You see? And to my young brothers and sisters, I say the same to you. You see? Pleasing of the better husband, working, living, honoring, glorifying the better husband, which is Jesus Christ. You see? But to the married, we see what the Bible says: Wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. But the formula must be right. The husband is the head of the wife, and sometimes husband is little ping pong head. Little ping pong head goes into tennis ball head, and then goes into you know the next size. I don't know uh, a little larger head. It gets bigger. You see. Knowledge-wise, I'm not talking about being puffed up and arrogant. No, that's carnal. But wives, my beautiful sisters, you have to have this understanding to be a helper to your husband. You see? Not a helper submitting to 100%, you know, husband wants to do crazy things. No. Be like Zipporah. Hannah wasn't 100% in a submission to her husband. Abigail wasn't 100% submission to her husband. Zipporah wasn't. And that's Moses. And that's not to say that they were 0%. They might have been 5%, 10%, 50%. But these beautiful women had to make this distinction as a helper unto her husband. And I say the same to you. As a helper unto your husband, help. As a helper unto your husband, help your husband die. Kill your husband. Metaphysically. To my beautiful sisters who are married, kill your husband. Metaphysically. Not literally. How do you do that? You help him carry his cross. Remember, the cross is an instrument of death. An instrument of death. It's not a fashion statement. People like to wear their shirts. They get their tattoos of crosses and all these different things. It's not a fashion statement. It's a death sentence. Wives, Kill your husbands, spiritually, metaphysically, not not literally. (laughs) Help your husband carry his cross. You see, be a helper unto your husband. Husband might be ping pong head. But in the course of time, you're going to see ping pong head grow. Or ping pong might stay ping pong. But remember, if that's you, you have ping pong and you're 50 years in and you're still ping pong. If that's you, remember, even in this we can rejoice. Why? Because it's just a vapor. (laughs) It's just a vapor. And I know women like this. My beautiful sisters, I I know women like this. Pray for their husband, fast for their husband, which is beautiful. But the husband has to make his choice. You see, the husband has to make his choice. If husband is prideful and arrogant, oh, wife, you got to submit to me. How dare you? Don't you presume to teach me, woman? I'm not going to listen to what you say, woman. Now, husbands, we're going to get to you more next week, Lord willing. But remember... Yes, there is danger behind heeding your wife. There is danger behind heeding your wife. Your wife also must be dead in Christ. But remember, Abraham, the Lord chastised Abraham, and we're still paying for that today, and prophecy which will be fulfilled, a major problem because of this disobedience. But the Lord chastised Abraham, Because you heeded your wife, he says, and there was chastisement. But then you fast forward a couple of chapters later, and the Lord tells Abraham, okay, now heed your wife. Whoa, I don't get it. How could Sarah be, don't heed Sarah, but then all of a sudden you heed Sarah? How can that be? Well, for the wife, you see her own maturity, you see. But then at the same time, you also see Abraham who goes to the Lord. You see, Abraham goes to the Lord. So wife says, husband, I want you to do this. Husband does it. Very, very dangerous. That's a bad formula. That's not the right blueprint. And a lot of wives like to lord over their husbands. Don't do that either, wife. You see, and a lot of foolish husbands, wife says, you know, I got to do this, so I'm going to go do it, and they do it in obedience to the wife. But what if wife is wicked and is leading you to destruction? Oh, but my wife is a prophetess; I do whatever she says. Wrong. You go to the Lord. Oh, wife says I should do this. Okay. That's fine. Go to the Lord. Verify it with the Lord. The real Jesus. Wife wants me to go grave soaking. You know. Don't do that. Wife wants me to do this. Oh, you know. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. Because your obedience is unto Him, husband. And the Lord might reveal to you, yes, I'm I'm giving you this helper. She's helping you. So now heed your wife, your helper. You see, just like Abraham. Wife says, husband, do this. He does it. And the Lord chastised him. Why? Because he never, he never went to the Lord. He never consulted the Lord. He just did it. Okay, wife, I'm going to do this. But then wife says, okay, now husband, do this. And now Abraham, even he is mature too. And now he learns. Now he goes to the Lord. Lord, you know, what do I do? And then the Lord says, okay, now you listen to your wife because she. I'm using her to help you. Okay? That's the formula. That's the right formula. In a marriage, wife unto husband, husband unto wife. You see, a lot of wives like the Lord, oh, my husband has a ping pong head. He's not spiritually mature, so you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm the pastor of my house, I'm gonna be the leader of my house. No, 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 no. It doesn't work. It just means that maybe it's 1% submission to your husband. You see? Oh, but husband's crazy. He wants to go do crack and he wants to do all these things and not on my watch. Okay. Not on your watch. That means you know, you help him. You pray for him, you fast for him, but you hold on to him for dear life. He might go do those things. You don't do it. You hold on to him for dear life. And then with your other hand, you hold on to your children. And then your whole body is like a cross. You are 100% submission to the better husband, which is Jesus Christ. You see? And with one hand, you're holding your husband. With the other hand, you're holding your kids. And your body, a living sacrifice to the Lord. You see? Now, with sexual sin, the pornography, the strippers, the prostitutes, the sex apps, all these things, biblically, that is grounds for divorce. It's not you, wife, who is breaking the marriage covenant. The marriage covenant to you is holy. Holy. But not to your husband. Your husband has broken the marriage covenant. You see? But that marriage covenant will never, ever, ever be broken to the better marriage, the better husband. That will never be broken. You see? I mean, provided you're abiding in Christ. (laughs) That's the formula. I mean, there's a lot to that, but that's in a nutshell. That's the formula. You see? And so we see this in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Now, Paul is telling the Ephesian saints that this we have the model in Jesus Christ unto the church, unto us. Jesus Christ is the ultimate model. You see, we follow him. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have these patterns in Paul, in Priscilla, in Aquila, in all these beautiful people, male, female. We have all these beautiful patterns. You see, like Hannah, like like Abigail, like beautiful Zipporah telling her husband, surely you are a husband of blood. If she was in 100% submission to Moses, Moses would have been dead. If she was in 100% submission to Moses, her son would have been uncircumcised. But yet Zipporah was 100% submission to the Lord. You see, maybe 5% Moses at first, 100% God. And as Moses grew and matured, 20% Moses, 100% God. And as he grew more, 50% Moses, 100% God. Always 100% God. Always. My beautiful sisters, always 100% God. Maybe 60% Moses, 100% God. You see? Because Moses is maturing, Moses is being used of the Lord, Moses is being stretched. Meanwhile, Zipporah, I wonder where Moses learned his boldness. When we see the one little verse, a couple little verses, you see the beautiful boldness of Zipporah. I wonder where Moses learned his boldness. Knowing that Zipporah was a shepherd, I wonder where Moses learned how to shepherd. I venture to say from his helper. Lowercase h. You see? And Moses is maturing. Instead of 5% Moses, 100% God, now it's 70% Moses, 80% God. You see? And it's so beautiful. That's, that's the biblical model. Old Testament, New Testament. That's the model. That's the blueprint. That's the formula. Now, both husband and wife, see, you go to fellowships, you, you walk into churches and you see women, not wives, women, all women, young, old. And when you see the slave class in women, you see it, you see their demeanor, slave class. It grosses me out. Not on, on, not on behalf of the saint. I mean, it, it, it it's sad for them. But I want to talk to those pastors, so-called men who think they're pastors. Close the door. Who in the world do you think you are, pastor? Where do you get off conducting conducting God's house, not your house, God's house in this manner? When the Bible is explicitly clear, you want to be Pastor? Do you not know that judgment will be of a a higher degree unto you, O pastor? Do you not know? Because if you don't know, you should know. And if you don't know, you have no business at the pulpit. And if you do know and are in disobedience, you have no business at the pulpit. You need to repent, O pastor. See? See? And if the blind follow the blind, as Jesus says, both will fall into a ditch. The formula must be right. You see? The formula must be right. Therefore, in verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, this is to choose to submit to Christ. Remember, we're not in Corinth, we're not in Galatia, we're in Ephesus. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Notice, this isn't Corinth. This is not Corinth. Do you know how dangerous this? these verses? Verse 23 through, through verse 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, as he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Do you know how dangerous these verses would be to 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Turn with me really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll show you how dangerous these verses would be. In First Corinthians chapter five Verse one sexual immorality. He says it is as is Paul speaking to Corinthians. These are baby Christians. Now okay. Look at chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. This is three years. When you, read the, when you study the timelines, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. You'll understand. But when you look at the timelines, it's three years. Uh, Acts 18, you see the birth of the church. Paul as father of the church, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Corinthian saints. And then all of a sudden, it was three years. There's a three-year gap between 1 Corinthians when he wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians. And so what happened in that three years? What happened in that three years? Arrested development. No growth. No moving on to maturity. And in that three years, the church became a cesspool. You are still not able. You you guys were on milk three years ago. And three years later, you're still on milk. Now we look at chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexually sexual immorality among you. And such immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. You see, not even the non-believers do this. Not even Corinth does this. That a man has his father's wife! Exclamation point. That's sexually. There's a guy in the church who's having sex with his dad's wife. Now, I don't know if it's, you know mother or mother-in-law, but that's no excuse. A, man, a guy in the church is having sex with his dad's wife. Christians in the church. Where are the pastors? Where are the pastors of Corinth? Where are the elders of Corinth to say, what in the world is happening? How did it get to this point? In verse 2, and you are rather puffed up and rather, and have not rather mourned? You're proud about it. You think it's a good thing. And you should be mourning that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged. He's, oh, don't judge, lest you be judged. Paul says, I'm judging. Don't judge lest you be judged. Everybody says that. Don't judge lest you be judged. What is Paul doing? He's judging. Now remember there's derivatives of crino. There's crino, anacrino and diacrino. There's more crinos but these are the three biggies. Crino is to say, "Hey, you're going to burn in hell." Only Jesus can do that. But there's derivatives of crino, mostly anacrino and diacrino where we make these determinations. We make these assessments. And Paul is making this assessment in order to judge. Oh, don't judge me, lest you be judged. What is Paul doing? He's straight up judging. Now remember, Paul is not like the average bear. Paul is not like the average bear. Remember our study in the book of Acts. Only the crucified can correct. The carnal Christian cannot correct because of hypocrisy. It is greater judgment unto the person who does that because of hypocrisy. Only the crucified can correct. And to be crucified, you have to carry your cross, the instrument of death. You see? To be crucified, you have to reckon the old man dead. You have to reckon the old woman dead. You have to be dead. uh, uh, Spiritually, not physically. Metaphysically, spiritually. You have to be dead. No, don't judge, lest you be judged. What is Paul doing? He says in verse 3, I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, I've already judged. I've already judged as though I were present. Him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to satan for the destruction of the flesh you see that his spirit may be saved in the day of the lord jesus now once that person is delivered to satan for the destruction of the flesh that's between him and god from that point is he going to be broken to the point where he repents that's between him and the lord but paul says in the fellowship in the church this is an abomination. It shall not be. He says, I've already judged. Oh, Paul, don't judge. Let you be judged. Do you know who you're speaking to? Not to deify Paul, but Paul is a vessel of the Lord, called of the Lord, a bondservant of the Lord, the real Jesus, not the fake Jesus that says, oh, let's just love. Let's just love on these people and let God take care of the rest, which is very common in the last days church. Oh, let's just Let's just love on these people. I wonder if that's what the defunct pastors and defunct elders were saying in Corinth. Oh, this guy's having sex with his dad's wife. So let's just love on him and let God take care of the rest. Listen, God takes care of things through judgment, through wrath. But precursory to that, God still takes care of things, but he uses his vessels. Still in grace, still in mercy, but also in judgment like we see paul i've already judged and he doesn't say deliver one deliver such a one to satan he says in the name of our lord jesus christ deliver such a one to satan He says in verse 6, your glorying is not good. It translates as your rejoicing is not good. You know, oh, let's go to church. We're going to sing to the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to speak Christianese. And everything's fine and dandy. Look, we're Christians. We're of the elect. Look, we're the koinonia. We're the ecclesia. Everything's good to go. But is everything good to go? No. No. The formula isn't right. The formula needs to get right. Paul says your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? What does the Pope say? The Pope. He says we're called to be leaven. We're called to be the yeast. That's his calling. It's not my calling. It's not the saints calling. They call the Pope the vicar of Christ. I call him vicar of Antichrist. You see, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Therefore, what does that mean? What do we do? What do we do when there's leaven in the camp? What do we do when there's leaven in the fellowship? Paul, who is already judged, says, therefore, in verse 7, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. That's the separation, the leaven and the remnant. You see? And so we look at these works of the flesh in verse 11. He says in verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. This is a Christian. Named a brother. Very interesting how, you know, the connotations here is male and female. But I love how it says brother. I I wonder if these were the ping pong guys, the ping pong headed guys. I wonder. And it's 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 fine to be ping pong head. But it's not fine to stay ping pong head. Not to keep company with anyone named their brother who is sexually immoral, which is pornos in the Greek. Very interesting. Pornos. Or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside do you not judge those who are inside oh don't judge lest you be judged what is paul doing i've already judged i'm called to judge the inside you see that's what paul's saying that's that's part and parcel of my calling that's what he's and when you look at paul the pastoral epistles unto timothy and titus Part of the calling of these overseers is to make these judgments, but the formula must be right. It's not Paul saying, hey, you know, no, not to keep company with any, anybody named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, reviler, drunkard, extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, Paul is not one of these people. He is crucified with Christ. You say, well, wait, these are saints. These are Christians. Are you saying they're not crucified with Christ? Look at the works of the flesh. Look at the fruit. So a guy's a Christian. He's sexually immoral. Let me ask you a question. Do you see crucifixion? Pornos in the Greek. He's doing his pornography. He's doing his strippers, his, you know, his prostitutes, his sex apps. Do you see crucifixion straight up? come let us reason together let's be honest do you see crucifixion oh but the bible says i'm crucified with christ no i mean yes but let's let's analyze that paul says i am crucified with christ he doesn't say we are crucified with christ paul says I am crucified with Christ. That's not to say that a sexually immoral person can be changed and be crucified with Christ. Now we get into works. And I don't mean works like, you know, we got to, uh, you know, knock on doors and get 100 converts a day. Now, you know, meet a quota. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about obedience. Obedience. Three years uncorrected. A guy is having sex with his dad's wife. Now, it might have that might have happened in the last year. But in the previous years, they are getting pretty chummy. You guys are getting pretty chummy. I see the little touchy feelies. You guys are getting awfully chummy. Where were the pastors? Where were the elders? You see. Do you not judge those who are inside, Paul says. Verse 13, But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Oh, but let's just love on these people. Let God take care of the rest. He is. He is. Using his crucified vessel. The Lord is taking care of things. Using his vessel. Paul. And don't forget, Paul was alerted because of Chloe. Oh, let's just love on these people. Let God take care of the rest. God is taking care of it using vessel Chloe who bypasses the defunct coverings and goes to the covering of Paul. Male covering. Paul, we got a problem in the church. You see? Now, We look at Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Do you know how dangerous? Verse 22, 23, and 24. This is Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Do you know how dangerous these verses are to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1? You see? What about the entirety of the chapter when it is revealed these works of the flesh, the sexually immoral? Oh, the Bible says I got to submit to my husband in everything. So if he wants to be sexually immoral, okay, I'm going to submit to him in everything. Thus says the word of God. My husband wants to be covetous. My husband wants to be an idolater. I got to submit to him in everything. My husband wants to be a reviler, a drunkard, an extortioner. I got to submit to him in everything. Look, the Bible says it is written. To my beautiful sisters in Christ, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be loving. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be forgiving. We're called to be wise in the wisdom of the Word of God. But never, never, ever, ever, ever are we called To be stupid. Never. This problem that we see in Corinth, the uncorrected works of the flesh for three years, is non-existent in Ephesus. The Ephesian saints are more mature than Ephesus. That's not to say that the threat isn't there. Satan is always on the prowl but the saints in Ephesus were more. You don't see the flesh that you see in Corinth in Ephesus. You don't see the flesh that is in Galatia in Ephesus, nor do we see it in Philippians. Why? Maturity. The formula is right in Ephesus. The formula is right in Philippi. Why? You have people, single, male, female, married. The formula is right. They have male pastors, male elders. The covering is beautiful. But the exhortation is still there. Moving on to perfection. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything. But that is dangerous counsel. That is It is biblical truth. But it's dangerous to apply and employ in the lives of saints where you see the works of the flesh such as you see in Corinth. You see? And don't forget, Paul says to the Ephesian elders, my latest meeting, remember Acts chapter 20, after my departure, wolves will come in, ravenous wolves will come in, and even some of you will become ravenous wolves, not sparing the flock. The threat is always there. The threat is always there. Even in this day and age, the threat is always there. It's just the threat came early in Corinth. You see? Why? Well, look at Corinth. Look at the distractions in Corinth. You see? I wonder about these wives in Corinth. I wonder if Chloe was married, you know. Maybe she was married. I I tend to think she was probably single maybe a widow but i'm so in love with chloe just like i'm so in love with zipporah beautiful gorgeous chloe beautiful gorgeous zipporah and i don't say that carnally or in a perverted sense i say that in a holy sense gorgeous a beauty that carnal eyes can never ever ever comprehend Carnal eyes say, oh, Chloe, you're so judgmental. Zipporah, you're so mean-spirited. Why do you got to be like this? Why do you got to be like this, Chloe? Why do you got to be like this, Zipporah? That's carnality. Carnal eyes cannot comprehend righteous beauty. Wives, submit to your husbands. Yes. But the formula must be right. You see? The formula must be right. To submit to a husband that exemplifies the works of the flesh. Very dangerous for you and him. And if you have kids, very dangerous for them. You see? It just blows me away. You see these pastors, I don't know where they get off doing it and teaching it. Oh, wives! You gotta look good. You gotta do look good for your husband. You gotta dress like this. Your husband likes the strippers. Okay, wife. You gotta you gotta dress like a stripper. You gotta wear the makeup. You gotta do your hair like this. You gotta wear the fake eyelashes. You gotta do. You may go to the gym too. You're getting a little thick here on the sides. You gotta go to the gym. Get rid of that. Make sure you look. Good. You're pleasing the flesh. How is your husband going to move on to perfection when you're too busy pleasing the flesh in obedience to a pastor who gives that counsel? The formula is wrong in that pastor. Get a new pastor. Just like we see in Hebrews 13 verse 17. A biblical truth to obey those who rule over you and be submissive. A biblical truth. But a pastor who gives foolish, wicked counsel, is he watching out for your soul? No. No. No, the formula must be right. Remember, we're making not just a, a cheesy piece of cake, we're building the most exquisite layered cake straight up, you know, tres leches. Tres leches, dulce de leche. Multi layered. All the, the very fine ingredients, and it's. If we know it tastes good, but if we want it to taste good as we're building it, as we're making it, as we're baking it, we got to add the ingredients so meticulously. We got to bake it so meticulously following the right temperature. Everything's got to cook at a, you know, at a certain temperature and it's got to rise to a certain level. Everything has to be perfect. The formula must be right. The same thing applies to us, you and me. Two peas in the pod. Submitting to a pastor, which you're probably not going to find. I don't mean to sound fatalistic, but you're probably not going to find. And when you can't find that, get a teacher. You see? When you're married, wives, my beautiful sisters, yes, submit to your husbands. And the, the saddest thing I see in the church today is wives in 100% submission to their earthly husband and 5% submission to Jesus Christ. The formula is wrong, my beautiful sister. The formula is wrong. If that's you, the formula is wrong. And I love you. The formula needs to be right. And you need to repent. Oh, how dare you say I need to repent? Listen, remember the jello? We need your heart to be as softer than the softest jello. Let's put your husband to the side. We need your heart to be softer than the softest jello. We'll get to your husband. We want that too. But I'm speaking to you, wife. We need your heart to be as soft as the softest jello. And 100% submission to a carnal husband, an earthly husband, that's not happening. That jello is going to turn to balsa, is going to turn to maple, is going to turn to oak, is going to turn to pine, and quite possibly stone. That can happen. I mean, it can, but I don't want it to. And I'm going to venture to say that you don't want that either. If you're in 100% to your earthly husband and 5% submission to Jesus Christ... Repent and let's flip it around. 100% submission to Jesus Christ and 5% husband, carnal, earthly husband, 100% heavenly husband, 5% earthly husband. And in the course of time, it might be 10% earthly husband. It might go to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And I say, let's cap it at 80. You say, why not 100? Because with marital maturity, the Bible says, let the married be as though they're unmarried so that we can serve the Lord, the better husband of the better marriage. You see? And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. When this is applied In a woman, when this is applied in a marriage, but when it's applied to the home and kids can see it, the next generation of righteousness, greasing the skids, so to speak, for that next generation of righteousness instead of the opposite, greasing the skids to hell. And you see that a lot among parents. Greasing the skids for their kids to hell and wickedness. But not so with the remnant. The the remnant prepares the way for the next generation of righteousness to walk closely with the Lord. Turn with me really quick in closing to Proverbs 31. Excuse me. And in Proverbs 31, we see this. I I don't know what it is. But there's something happening among young females in the church today. I mostly see it among the Calvinist and Reformed theory people. Now, if you're Calvinist and Reformed, I love you. But I say this. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll know more about deep spiritual things. And I also say this. Come out of her, my people. The formula must be right. But I see this growing in popularity among Reformed and Calvinistic millennials giving counsel unto Calvinist and reformed Gen Z girls. Both are immature. The millennial females are immature and the Gen Z are immature thinking that they're saying what is right and doing what is right. But the formula is wrong. They're doing what is wrong. And it is this. Maybe it's in the fluoride. I don't know, but it's this militant submission to her, to husbands, but like it's militant as like slaves. It's like you know, oh, I'm gonna get married and I look, I have a husband and. Whatever he wants to do, I am in 100% submission to my husband because the Bible says I have to submit to my husband. So I will submit to my husband 100% of the time and whatever he wants, I'm going to do. He wants this. I'm going to do it. He wants this. I'm going to make it. He wants this. I'm going to bake it. He wants to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. It's like robots. Robots. You see, it's very dangerous. It's immature. It is stupidity. It is idiotess, where we get the word idiot. It's without understanding. 100% submission to an earthly husband is very dangerous. The formula must be right. And I would say let's cap it at 80%. 100% submission to the better husband of the better marriage. That's the way. So we see this in Proverbs 31, verse 1. This is the only passage of this particular person. Now there's theories about who King Lemuel is, but I don't want to get into theories. I just take the Bible for face value. What the Bible says is what I believe. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother Taught him. I love this. I don't know who this lady is. Oh my goodness! I cannot wait to meet this beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous woman. I cannot. I cannot wait. You know. I I, I, I think I might have one like a side meeting with just the women. You know, just the women. I mean, in, in the marriage supper. You know, like all these beautiful women. I oh, titans of faith. Zipporah. Lemuel's mom, you know, I don't know who she is. Like, what's her name? I don't know, but I'll just scream out. Lemuel's mom, who are you? I want to meet her. Chloe? Abigail? Hannah? This is what the mother of King Lemuel taught him. You see this beautiful picture of intimacy of a mother to her son. Oh, oh, this is so beautiful. Just a mother and son. Oh, verse two. What my son, and what son of my womb, and what son of my vows. Who is? Who is she? Who is, who? What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows, do not give your strength to women. You see, the vast majority, the vast majority of men give their strength to women. And this beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous woman is saying, my son, son of my womb, son of my vows, don't do that. We know the vast majority does it. Remember the example we gave through our study through the Old Testament? And when Balak sends, not the warriors, he sends the women down to corrupt the camp of Israel. And you have a remnant who doesn't partake in those sexcapades, which ultimately leads to the worship of Baal. And you have men who chose not to do it. Why? Yes, the fear of the Lord. Yes, the love of the Lord. Yes, the law of the Lord. But I wonder if it was of the counsel of moms. I wonder. Do not give your strength to women, my son. Do not give your strength to women, son of my womb. Do not give your strength to women, son of my vows. You see. nor your ways to that which destroys kings. The vast majority do it. But not you, my son. Son of my womb. Son of my vows. The majority does this. The world does this. Corinth does this. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But you're different, my son. See? a son and this is the the words of king lemuel and as king lemuel reflects and i don't know if his mom maybe his mom is dead i don't know maybe he's you know 50 years old and he's reflecting back to his childhood when his mom was alive and what she would tell him what she would teach him as a young child as a young boy oh i remember my mom always said this And now look, he's King Lemuel. In verse four, remember, Lemuel is reflecting on what she taught, reflecting on what his mother taught him in this intimacy, a mom to her son. It is not for kings in verse four, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. Remember, Ephesians five, where our study last week in Ephesians five, verse 18, that this in which is, in which is dissipation. Let the winos drink their wine. I'll say it another way. Let the dead bury the dead. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. Nor for princes intoxicating drink. The vast majority do it, my son, my beautiful son. Son of my womb, son of my vows. The vast majority do it. But not you, my beautiful son. Lest they drink, in verse 5, Lest they drink and forget the law. Very interesting. How King Lemuel, he's remembering the words and teachings of beautiful mama. Beautiful, beautiful mama. I can't wait to meet this gorgeous lady. Something also interesting. Was the dad not as heavy in influence? Could be. I don't know. But King Lemuel is reflecting on the words and teachings of Mama. Not that of Papa. Very interesting. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice. It just so happens. We just studied this on Wednesday. It just so happens. Deuteronomy 16. Remember the perversion of justice and the law don't do that the lord hates it remember and pervert the justice of all the afflicted give strong drink to him who is perishing it's not for you lemuel it's not for you it's it's for the dissipation those who are perishing And wine to those who are bitter of heart. In verse 7, let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Not for you, Lemuel, Son of my womb, son of my vows. In verse 8, open your mouth for the speechless. This is the mom teaching her son to be bold. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Now in the Hebrew, it translates as it's in a a condition or a state, like in the state of survival, and it specifically speaks to orphans. In the cause of all who are in a state of survival, and specifically speaking of orphans. Be bold for the sake of the orphans. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Let's see how when we studied just on Wednesday, it just so happens. We see how corruption enters or, you know, we looked at uh, in future passages from Deuteronomy, how corruption enters. And we're going to get to the book of Judges in the course of time. And we're going to see corruption enter the camp. We're going to see corruption enter Israel. And remember how we look at Isaiah and like, wow, what happened? Israel in Deuteronomy, so beautiful. Israel in, 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 in Isaiah, what happened? The majority went into crazy town, but not so with Isaiah. I wonder. I wonder if the beautiful mother of Isaiah had similar counsel for him. I wonder. Just like Eunice and Lois raising up Mama and Grandma, raising up little Timmy, beautiful, beautiful little Timmy, as influencers of Timmy, a future pastor. You see? That's why I, I don't get why women want to be pastors. I mean, I get it. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's Satan. I get the spiritual aspect. But for my beautiful sisters, beautiful, beautiful sisters whom I love. Look at the ability you have to train the next pastor, the next elder, the next evangelist, the next prophet. You see, look at these, look at, look at what you can do. But instead, Satan comes in. Oh, you know, church has gone crazy. Look, these men have gone crazy. Look, the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy. Why don't you be pastor? He tries to come. He comes in as an angel of light and the woman buys into it. Okay, I'm going to be a pastor. Look, the Lord called me to be a pastor. No, wrong formula. That wasn't the Lord. It was an attack. You see? And you believe the lie. But to my beautiful sisters who have children, and if you don't have children, remember this. Never ever ever forget your ability to influence. The I mean, the world, you people. Oh, oh, I got. I want a million followers on social media, so I gotta dress a certain way. I gotta, you know, post these pictures so I can get, you know, all these followers. No, oh, that's the world and its wickedness. What about your ability to influence one? The ability to influence two, three, however many number of kids you have, the next generation of righteousness, you see? In verse nine, open your mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Look at this beautiful woman this beautiful, beautiful woman who taught her son, the son of her womb, the son of her vows. And now, there's no end quote or quotation here, but I wonder, I wonder if there should be, and I'm not trying to, you know, do say anything blasphemous in saying this, but I wonder if now King Lemuel is an adult, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't know. But maybe he's an adult. And his beautiful, righteous, gorgeous mother was such a strong influence on him. That there's no female for him as a bride. No female for him as a bride. Why? Because mama set the bar really high. Praise be to the Lord, because you know Lemuel's not going to marry riffraff. Parents, don't set a low bar for your kids. Sometimes I see a guy with like a, you know, basket case wife. And I say this in love, but you know, I call it like I see it. A guy with a basket case wife. It's like, what in the world? This is like, this is weird. And then I meet the parents. Okay, there you go. Parents set the bar really low. <laughs> Mama set the bar low, so here we go. The same, you know, it's like a roller coaster. The ups and downs, ups and downs with Mama and Papa, ups and downs with son and his new wife. You see, the same with, with females and the husband. What? What? what what's the deal with this? And then I meet the parents. Oh, there we go. Papa set the bar really low. Papa wants to be a mess, a basket case. Daughter has her husband now. He's a mess. He's a basket case. Here we go. Same old story. Papa set the bar low. Now daughter's got low bar husband. Guy's got low bar wife. Okay, here we go. Now enter the pastors. Enter the teachers. Hey, don't be ping pongs anymore. No more ping pong. We got to grow. We got to mature. Reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old woman dead. Carry your cross. Lay aside those things which so easily ensnare you. Let us move on to perfection. Come on. Let's be dead to the old nature. Let us be crucified with Christ. No more ping pong. I wonder if Lemuel is on a quest. Maybe he wanted to get married at 20 and he can't find a bride. Because mama's at the bar nice and high. Nice, beautiful, righteous, gorgeous mother of Lemuel. I can't wait to meet her. I'm going to shout out. You guys are going to be at the marriage supper. You're going to hear shouts. Mother of Lemuel. Lemuel's mom. you can have all these ladies come up. Yeah, my son was Lemuel. How can I help you? Who are you? Are you the Lemuel from... Are we talking about the Lenuel from Proverbs 31? No, oh, no, that's not me. You see this beautiful, beautiful. Oh, that was me. Oh, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. You're so beautiful. Do you realize that what you, you your intimacy with your son in exhorting him, how it multiplied through other people? Oh, I, I. Beautiful, beautiful. Mother of Lemuel. Gorgeous. Righteousness. And I wonder if Lemuel's at age 20, can't find a wife. Mama set the bar really high. Age 30, still can't find a wife. Mama set the bar high. Age 40, still no wife. Age 50, still can't find a wife because he has standards and his standards are righteousness. He knows it's possible because he saw it in his mama. But where is she? Where is she in the land? In verse 10, Who can find a virtuous wife? And to my young, unmarried brothers in Christ, young men, I love you. You cannot see beauty with carnal eyes. It is impossible to behold beauty, real beauty, righteous beauty, righteous gorgeousness. It is impossible to see with carnal eyes. You need a new set of eyes. Do not follow the blind. You need a pastor. If you do not have a pastor where the formula is wrong, find a teacher. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. You see? Safely trusts her. Now, in today's age... You have husbands who want to be the master of their house. Oh, I want to be master of my house. Look, I'm the pastor of my home. I'm the leader of my home. Therefore, wife, you have to submit to me. And look, the Bible says submit to me in everything. So therefore, you have to submit to me in everything. Oh, come on. I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Look, my old friend brought it. Come on, wife, submit to me. Let's go get baked. Let's go do our crack. Let's go cook spoons together. You see? Wives. Remember, 5% husband or 5 5% earthly husband 100% heavenly husband Jesus Christ Husband you want pancakes fine I'll submit to you I'll make you pancakes you know whatever you want pancakes you know here's your pancakes I'm in submission to you look Husband you want to go do crack not on my watch That's not happening Surely you are a husband of blood to me You see The formula must be right. This is sound doctrine. Outside of sound doctrine, it is dangerous. You get yourself in a mess. What do you see in the church today? A mess. You see, have you ever met a Christian wife who's a basket case? I have. They're all over the place. A Christian wife who's a basket case. Why? They're under the wrong formula. They have a bad covering. They don't know it, but they have a bad covering. They don't have understanding. They're idiotes willingly. You see? And then they go, oh, I'm under spiritual attack. I'm under spiritual attack. Look at your covering. Look at your pastor. Look at your teacher. Look what you're being taught. The formula is wrong. You think you're safe, but you're not. But when the formula is right, the heart of her husband in verse 11 safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain i love this so much because we're you know remember you have king lemuel he's reflecting on the attributes of a virtuous wife not the vast majority the vast majority want a husband the vast majority of females they want a husband and they'll behave a certain way they'll dress a certain way they'll act a certain way because they're in the attraction mode they want to attract so they dress a certain way, they behave, they talk a certain way because they're trying to attract. And for some, they're gonna they're gonna attract. And they do attract and they will attract. But King Lemuel? I don't want that. King Lemuel, no, no. Mama set the bar high. I want a girl Just like the girl that married Dear old dad It's old school. If you're an old sister in Christ, you might know that song. That's old school. That's like 1930s music. Maybe 20s, I don't know. Just like the girl that married Dear old dad (laughs) You see, Mamas, my beautiful sisters, set the bar high. Papas, my beautiful brothers, set the bar high. Not a low bar. Your kids are going to marry riffraff with a low bar. Set it nice and high. You see? King Lemuel is one. Where am I going to find the wife? Who can find the virtuous wife? He continues in verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It's not just temporary. It's not just like, okay, husband, you're going to get chubby. You're going to get wrinkly. So, okay, I'm done with you. No, all the days of her life. Remember the marriage covenant. It can It, it can be broken, but it's. It, I don't want to say it's rare because it's common nowadays. Marriage covenants are holy. It can be broken through sexual immorality and death. That's it. Sexual immorality and death. That's the earthly marriage covenant. But the heavenly marriage covenant, never broken. As long as you and me abide in Christ. That's the only safety is us abiding in Christ. The marriage covenant can be broken from sexual immorality. And if that happens, that doesn't mean, okay, get, you know, another spouse. That means you're single. You're done. Unless the death of the other. And you can get married, but it's in Christ see, a Christian, that unequal yoking or death. You're married and, you know, the husband dies, wife dies. You can get married again, but in the Lord. Outside of that model, it's called adultery. You are an adulterer or an adulteress. You need to repent if that's you. You're on your second marriage and your previous marriage, the guy or gal is still alive. You need to repent. You see. But my recommendation, I align with Paul and Jesus, stay single. (laughs) We see this in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. You see, she's not a slave. She's not a slave. She willingly does this. You see, I don't know where this militant slavery is coming in. I mean, I get it. I understand the times. It's, there's demonic attributes. Satan who capitalizes on false doctrine. And I see it largely among the Calvinist and Reformed theory females. Very immature. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to get married and I'm going to be a slave to my husband. Whatever he wants, he wants to do sex, boom, let's do it. He wants to have a sandwich, boom, I'm going to do it. He wants to do this, boom, whatever he does, I'm going to submit to him. Hardcore, 100% to my husband. Whatever he wants, boom, I'm doing it. You have this militant slavery. Oh, but we're called to be servants. We're called to be servants. Don't forget, in maturity, in growth, Jesus Christ says, No longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. You see? Husbands treat their wives today like slaves. And it pains my heart. Where do you see a husband who treats his wife like friend? You see? Husbands who treat their wives like Concubines, sexual slaves. You see? Sexual slaves, prostitutes, pastors who give counsel. And it's the wife's fault. Your husband's addicted to pornography. It's your fault, wife, because you let yourself go. Look, you're chubby, you're wrinkly, you're gray. It's your fault, wife. You let yourself go. You got to go to the gym. You got to wear makeup. You got to do your hair like this, color your hair, do all this. You got to look. Your husband likes the prostitutes. You got to dress and behave like the prostitute. And then the militant slavery wife. Okay, yes, I'm going to do this. The Bible says obey my husband. So I'm going to be submissive to my husband. The The formula must be right, my beautiful sister. You see? Husbands, they're addicted to pornography. They're at work. And, you know, they're on their phones watching their dirty stuff. Now listen, wife, if your husband has that problem break his phone, break the computer, destroy it all. Destroy it all. Because it is much better to not have a computer than to burn in hell. It is much better to not have a phone than to burn in hell. You see? But husbands, and this this is at the Council of Pastors Wicked men, compromised men. And this is, this is how a pastor counsels marriage counseling when a husband has a problem with pornography. Number one, they blame the wife. The wife has let herself go, so now this, the husband has to turn to his pornography. Which, remember, sexual sin is grounds for divorce. Biblically. So the husband, he's at work. He's on his phone during dirty business and he says he calls the wife, "Hey wife, I'm being tempted right now, so I'm going to be home in five minutes, I'll be home in 10 minutes. You better be ready to go because the husband, you know, you have to submit to the husband and the counsel of the pastor says, "This is what we got to do, so you know, I, you know you don't want me to stumble, do you, wife?" No, st- stupid boys!" They blame the wife for their own sin. Stupid, stupid boys. They think they're men, but they're not. And so you have a wife at home. And she's treated like a prostitute. A prostitute is treated better than the wife. You see? A prostitute is treated better than the wife. You mean the The prostitute, you know, has gains from it. Financial gains from it. The wife is just left destitute. I'm not, you know, that's filthy lucre. But a prostitute is treated better than a wife in this scenario, which is a very real scenario. Wicked pastors giving wicked counsel to stupid men. And also Stupid wives. Idiotes. That's the Greek. That's what Paul says, without understanding. Idiotes. Idiots. You see? Wife, my beautiful sister. If you have an idiote husband and you're submitting yourself unto an idiot pastor, you need to repent. You're in the wrong. It's not safe for you. And you have these husbands, they're at work, they call their wife, hey wife, I'm being tempted, and you don't want me to commit you know sexual sin. You don't want me to masturbate. You don't want me to be involved in this wickedness, do you, wife? They give their wife a guilt trip. Okay, wife, I'll be home in 10 minutes. You better be ready to go. Husband comes home does his deed, and leaves. And his wife. The church is in trouble, you guys. Judgment comes first to the house of God. Remember that. That judgment comes first in the house of God. You have these women. Oh, I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to submit to my husband. Look, the Bible says I got to submit to my husband. Yes, the Bible says it. But it's dangerous when the formula is Wrong. Wives, you have to kill your husbands. Metaphysically, spiritually, not physically, but you have to kill your husbands. Not satisfying the carnal nature. You see? Satisfying the spiritual. Walking according to the spirit together. Like Zipporah, not on my watch. We're together. But not on my watch. This ain't happening. Picks up the rock. Circumcision right there. You see? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like, you know, you know, like using sex as a, as a, as a tool to manipulate. Okay, husband, you don't do this. Okay, no sex. No, that's not, that's unbiblical. I'm talking about pleasing the flesh like, you know, you know, wife, you got to look like this. You got to dress like this. You got to do this. You got to behave like this. You got to have, you know, I watch the sex. I watch this. I do this. And you got to do it like that. You got to, the unnatural use of your body. Now, it is biblical to, you know, the uh, sex within marriage. It's beautiful. But it must be within marriage. The natural use of the body. See? But, It is better not to marry. It is better not to marry so that we can please the better husband unto the better marriage, living for him, honoring him, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who who can find the virtuous wife? We continue in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. It's willingly. It's not slave class. It's not slave wife. She's willingly doing it. She is like mer- the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. Who is this woman? <laughs> I, I want to meet her. I don't even know who she is. I mean, I know she's the mother of Lemuel, this influencer of Lemuel. Lemuel desiring, you know, mama set the bar high. Nehemiah is wondering who can find a virtuous wife. Where is she? You see how high Mama's at the bar? She also rises in verse 15 while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. How beautiful is this woman? That is like so boss. She considers a field. Wrap it up. I'll take it. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. Who is this woman? Remember, this is a virtuous wife. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. Very gorgeous. Notice, there is absolutely zero mention of her looks. Of her appearance. Of her weight. Of her gray hair, white hair, whatever color hair. There is no mention of wrinkles. There is no mention of attire. There is no mention... Well, there is mention of attire, but we're going to get to that. There is no mention of these carnal things. Makeup. Fake eyelashes. No mention of it whatsoever. She girds herself with strength, in verse 17, and strengthens her arm. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Very interesting. This girl's got oil, you see. She's got oil for her lamp. How beautiful is this? Who can find such a woman? Who can find a virtuous wife? To my single brothers out there, desiring a wife. I'll say it is better not to marry, but I'll also say if you still desire to marry, find a virtuous wife. She might not submit to you 100% of the time, maybe 5%, but that's reflective on you, not on her, on you. Because she's in 100% submission to the better husband. And she will help you carry your cross. She will help you die in Christ. Reckoning the old man dead. She will help you be crucified with Christ. This is the virtuous wife. Very beautiful. Very gorgeous. No mention of her looks. I don't care what she looks like. The majority of women that I have met, actually 100% of the women that I have met who meet these qualifications, 100% are over age 70. Very beautiful, very gorgeous, beautiful righteousness, a beautiful sweet aroma. 100% are over age 70. If I were to, if you were to ask me, hey, who who are the most beautiful women? If you were to ask me that question twenty five years ago, you would know that I was carnal. But if you ask me today, every single one of you would think I was blind. I don't care about looks. There is nothing more beautiful than righteousness. There is nothing more handsome than righteousness. There is nothing more gorgeous than righteousness. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Not even pales in comparison. There is nothing more gorgeous, handsome, beautiful than righteousness. Her lamp doesn't go out by night. The mother of Lemuel set the bar high. Praise be to the Lord because King Lemuel, he's not going to marry Riff Raff. Mama set the bar very high. Praise be to the Lord. You see? Parents, set the bar high for your kids in righteousness. Set the bar high because your daughters are going to grow up and if the bar is low, They're gonna marry Mr. Schlepp. You see? And the cycle continues. Mamas, you set the bar low, sons are gonna marry Mrs. Schlepp. And the cycle continues. Break the cycle through your death and sacrifice. Just so happens, we talked about this on Wednesday. Oh, I want to take the easy route. I'm going to bribe my kids. Okay. I don't want that. I don't encourage that. I warn against that. Oh, I'm going to bribe my kids. You know what bribery does? It blinds. We just studied that on Wednesday. do no, set the bar high. Nice and high. So you're playing a role you're greasing the skids for sons and daughters so that you're weeding out, you're helping them weed out the riffraff. Yes, riffraff. There is a lot of riffraff. You see, not to say that the Lord can't heal and fix, but it's much easier when you help. (laughs) It's much easier when you set the bar high. A lot of crying nights. You'll save yourself from a lot of crying nights. I've talked to parents. I've talked to grandparents and they're crying nights. Well, you set the bar low. I'm sorry. You set the bar low. What do you expect? You set the bar low. Oh, man. You set the bar low, oh, woman. And here we are. A late crying night. Not to say that the Lord can't fix. The Lord can't heal. Because He absolutely can. The formula must be right. Daughter who's now gone. The formula must be right in her. That's not to say the Lord can't intercede. the Lord. But it's not to say we can't pray. And, but it, it's kind of like. It's kind of easy. It's kind of easy. You know, obedience and disobedience. When we know through the word of God the result of both obedience and disobedience. I don't know. For me, maybe it's the fluoride. I don't know. But it kind of makes it easy. I mean, I say that, you know, in, in, in just somewhat, but you and me both we need to yield to the spirit and the spirit of the lord always directs in the truth of god's holy word mama papa set the bar high see no riffraff you if you don't want you know uh, your, your 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 kids to have riffraff you know what that means you don't be riffraff look at this beautiful woman In verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff, which is like the the spindle for sewing, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. I love this so much because uh, winter's coming. Winter's coming. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Everybody scrambling. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. You know what this woman is doing? You know what this virtuous woman is doing? That's nice. Winter's coming. That's nice. You know why? She's ready for it. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. Very interesting, scarlet. Verse 22. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Notice royal colors. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. You see, when I read this passage, you know who I think of? I think of Lydia, Priscilla. You remember Mary and the other women when the guys were scaredy cats and the the tomb was empty? Mary was there. The women, they went to the tomb. Where were the men? Scaredy cats. Scaredy cats. You see. In verse twenty-four, she makes linen garments and sells them. This lady, remember, she in verse sixteen she considers a field, wrap it up, she buys it straight up. Who is this woman? You see, and supplies sashes for the merchants. <laughs> this girl's non-stop. What can stop her? she's on fire for the lord 100 percent obedience to the better husband god you see verse 25 strength and honor are her clothing she shall rejoice in time to come this virtuous woman is very forward looking because she knows she's going to rejoice in the time to come remember giving hope for understanding that remember in the law We learn to trust the Lord. We learn to love the Lord. We learn to fear the Lord. Absolutely. And falling deeper in love with the Lord gives, opens the door for hope. And knowing that this virtuous woman, this is the Old Testament, mind you, and she shall rejoice in time to come. You see, everything points to Christ. The rejoicing unto Christ. She opens her mouth with wisdom, not with stupidity, not with idiotess. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, I don't... This virtuous woman, she's got my attention. And I don't say that in a perverted sense. I say that in a sense that these are desirable things to my brothers, unmarried brothers. These are desirable things. Such a beautiful, splendid, gorgeous woman. She's got my attention. Not in a carnal sense. Mind you, no no mention whatsoever of makeup, weight, gray hair, balding hair, wrinkles, no mention of makeup, the fake eyelashes, no mention of, you know, nasty clothing, no mention of whatever things of the flesh and I tell you the truth 100% of females that I have met that have qualifications such as this 100% are over age 70 old ladies beautiful to behold obedient to Jesus Christ the better husband you see, verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household. Remember Zipporah? Zipporah was watching over the ways of her household. Moses, okay, come on. Follow me, wife. Listen, you got to you gotta submit to me, wife. Come on, let's go. We're going over here. Come on, wife. Zipporah, Mm-mm. surely you're a husband of blood to me. She has to pick up the rock and handle business with her little son, circumcision, you see. She was watchful over the ways of her household. Sure, husband, I'll submit to you and you want pancakes? Okay, husband, no big deal. I'll submit to you in that. You want me to perform and do that disgusting thing? That you, the sexual stuff that you watch? That's not happening. And don't forget, that's grounds for divorce. You see? What's that, husband? You want to go grave soaking? I'll make you, you want pancakes? We'll have pancakes. But I ain't going grave soaking. Nope. That's not happening. You see? I'll make you pancakes. I'll submit to you. I'll make you pancakes. But I'm not going to watch those movies. We're not going to watch those movies. Not in my house. That's not happening. Why? I mean, it's one thing if, if parents are single. And we, we have to keep these temples holy. But with children, whew, forget about it. With children, whew, a lot of husbands, oh, we got to watch this movie. I want to watch my friends say it's a good movie. You know, look at all the nudity. Look at all the nakedness. Stuff. I'm not saying that if, you're not, if you don't have kids, it's okay. Don't watch that filthy stuff. I don't watch that. Look at the cuss, the girls dressed like this, the females dressed like this. I don't want my sons and daughters seeing that. I don't want to set the bar low. I'm going to set the bar high. I'm going to be like Sephora. I'm going to set the bar high. I don't want a son to marry Riff Raff. I don't want my daughter to be treated like Riff Raff. I'm going to set the bar high. So, we'll have pancakes. You want pancakes? Okay, I'll submit. Pancakes. Here we go. Come on. These are going to be really good, delicious pancakes. The best pancakes from Chiapas, Mexico. <laughs> the best pancakes you've ever had in your life. But those dirty movies? Not happening. You see? Grain soaking? Not happening. Study Bible? Take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved? Not happening. You see? Husbands, what are you doing? Don't don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Look, I had it so good. My wife submitted to me and all this. We did this. We had such fun and she submitted to everything I said. Well, let me tell you something. Oh, man, you should have thought about that before you got married. You should have thought about that. Now it's a done deal. You see? But remember, it's just a vapor. Just a vapor. That's it. Look at this beautiful woman. In verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You see, she does not eat the bread of idleness. I love this woman. Her children rise up and call her blessed. You see, remember her worth is far above rubies and her kids see it. Her kids acknowledge it. And not just the kids, her husband also in verse 28. And he praises her. You see, the husband sees it too. Now, I was ping pong head. 25 years ago, I was ping pong head. I couldn't see these things. Today, I can It's not because, oh, look, you're awesome. You're awesome. No, it's the Lord. The Lord reveals these things. But remember, the formula must be right. Many daughters have done well in verse 29. I love this. So it's like, okay, you got all these women. You got all these women, but this virtuous one, but you excel them all. I love this so much. King Lemuel, all these females, here, Lemuel, here's my phone number, here, Lemuel, let me, here, let me follow you on social media, let's be friends on social media, here, Lemuel, come on, look, I'll dress like this, I want to get your attention, Lemuel, look, Lemuel, I'll wear my makeup like this, I want to get your attention, look, Lemuel, I'll dress like this, and I'll reveal this, and look, you know, I want to get your attention, Lemuel, Psh. Lemuel doesn't want it. Lemuel doesn't want it. See? He's looking for someone special. Mama at the bar high. Nope. Sorry, toots. Not for me. I don't want that. You want to dress like that? You can get these other guys' attention, but you're not going to get my attention. You know? Get behind me, Satan. Many daughters have done well, but this woman, this virtuous one, you excel them all. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. To my beautiful sisters, beautiful, beautiful sisters whom I love. If you are willing, I don't want to lord over you, but if you're willing, highlight this last part of verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. See? Among the dead, you'll be hated. But that's the dead. Among the living, those with eyes, those with ears to hear and eyes to see, you will be praised. Not by the multitude, but by the few. And Lord willing, by husband and by the kids. That might be in the course of time. But in the life to come, you will be praised. This is the woman who fears the Lord. Virtuous. Not this... These young millennial women today, giving counsel to the young Z generation, girls, both of them, girls, immature, oh, militant slavery, oh, I'm going to be a a slave to my husband, and whatever he wants, boom, we're going to do it, because the Bible says, submit to your wife, so I'm going to be the best at submitting to my husband, I'm going to, whatever he says, boom, I'm going to submit, he wants the sex, he wants the food, he wants this, I'm going to please his flesh. You see, wrong formula. Wrong formula. I mean, I've had conversations with unbelieving, non believing females who hear such a thing and they're like, What? <laughs> you Christians are crazy. <laughs> I'm in agreement. The church has to be crazy for judgment to come into the church first before the world. The church has to be crazy. I talk to these non-believers. What? This is militant slavery to a husband, militant slavery to a husband. What is that? I mean, you know, I'm on board. It's not in the Bible. You don't see it in the Bible. You see it among when the formula is wrong, but you don't see it in the Bible. But wait a second. The Bible does say, wives, submit to your husband. Yeah, it does. But never forget, the formula must be right. And it is better not to marry. (laughs) There's a better marriage. (laughs) A better husband. Look what we see here in closing in verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hand and let her own works praise her in the gates. I love, not the works of the husband. Her own works. No coattails with this lady. She's not riding any coattails in any way, shape or form. Not the coattails of her husband. Her own works. It just so happens that we studied this on, uh, on Wednesday. The blessings of the Lord, the works of one's hands. You think that's just for male only? No. Remember when we were studying in, in, in Deuteronomy 16, all these the, the, the blessings of the Lord? It's like, wow, where's the where's the wife? Where's the wife? Where's the wife? Here she is. Here she is. You see. To my beautiful sisters in Christ whom I love. 100% submission to the better husband of the better marriage. 100%. You see? Just like Hannah. Just like Abigail. Just like Zipporah. Just like Lemuel's mom. 100% submission to God. God. Your earthly husband, if you're married, if you're not married, it's better not to marry. But if you are married, five to eighty percent. That's, that's the formula. Five to eighty percent. Five percent if husband is a baby, eighty percent if husband is mature. You see, why not a hundred? Because Let the married live as though they're unmarried so that we can please the Lord. You see, 5 to 80%. It's so beautiful. When the formula is right. You want pancakes? Okay, husband. I'll submit. I'll submit, husband. I'm going to make you the best pancakes from Chiapas, Mexico. It's going to be the best. But I'm not going grave soaking. I'm not going to use my body in an unnatural manner, and if you learn that and if you do that, that's grounds for divorce, husband. I'm not breaking the marriage covenant in doing those things, husband, you are breaking the marriage covenant. The marriage bed is no longer holy husband. I'm not advocating divorce in any way, shape or form. I hate the, the Lord says, I hate divorce, I hate divorce. But the marriage covenant shouldn't be broken, husband. You see, honor the covenant that you made. Nobody, <laughs> nobody made it for you. I talked to husbands, you know. Oh, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. So, you know, the goose is cooked. Sorry. If that's your mindset now. I only know of one who can change hearts and change minds. His name is Jesus Christ. Remember, I tell you from experience, because for me, the Lord stopped me in the act of murdering my wife. Murdering my wife. I was in the act of committing murder. And He changed my heart. So if you think you're hopeless, I tell you from experience, You are not. You see? And if you're married and it's like, you know, your, your husband's ping pong head and it's like 20 years, he's still ping pong head, 50 years, he's an old man and he's still ping pong head. Well, remember, it's just a vapor. It's just a vapor. To my beautiful sisters, remember Abigail. Her husband died. And then she got another husband who would be king. And it is the exact same with you. The better husband of the better marriage. To my beautiful brothers in Christ, husbands, you're up next. And we'll study that, Lord willing, next week. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.